Baron Von Rasky here. I'm having a match with three sides. You know something? I can hardly wait to get my hands on him. I'll crack him, I'll snap him, and then I'll pop him with the claw. That is all the people need to know. And you know what? Three sides will be three coins in the fountain. <laughs> this week, three sides of the coin. Let's get right down to it here. Steve Unger, Metal Church, Amazing Kiss Stories. Mark Cicchini, three sides of the coin, total fanboy. Watch this. You remember that time that you were on the Kiss Cruise and you played with your brother? Wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that cool? Oh. God, I was stupid to ask you that. <laughs> this is Three Sides of the Coin, talking all things Kiss. I want to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Three Sides of the Coin. I'm one of your three co-hosts, Michael Brandvold, as always, Tommy Summers, Mark Cicchini, First of all, oh, right stop, off, stop, stop. did you fucking hit record this week? Yeah, I was just, I was just, <laughs> just gonna say, I've been watching the bar. We apologize profusely. I apologize. No show last week. Somehow it didn't record. And honest to God, I don't know what happened. Maybe I did forget to hit the record button. Maybe it recorded and the files just disappeared. I don't know. I couldn't find the files anywhere on my computer maybe someone strong-armed them off your pc that could be yeah um but you know what you didn't miss much at all because it was the colonoscopy episode and you probably didn't want to hear me talking about my ass yeah it was pretty shitty (laughs) it was a real shitty episode (laughs) literally um so just a little bit of housekeeping here um if you listen to us on spotify please hit the little follow button on Spotify to follow Three Sides of the Coin podcast. Um, Three Sides of the Coin radio. Head over, load the Station Head app on your iOS device. It's coming soon for Android. And then look for Three Sides on Station Head. We've got a 24-7, 365 radio station running over there, playing nearly 20 hours of Kiss music without interruption. So go check it out. You'll like it. And then coming up on the 23rd of February in Minneapolis, St. Paul, we are doing a special evening with Tommy Thayer. So if any of you are going to be anywhere near the area or you're coming in for the KISS show the following night at the XL Center in St. Paul, come a day early and and come to the Tommy Thayer event. It's really cool. You'll be able to ask questions. Um, meet him, get an autograph, photo, all that good stuff. You'll be Go able to, to meet Mark Cicchini, even oh, more yeah. importantly. That's Mark Cicchini's going to be there. Yeah, Mark will be there too. So you get, you guys can come out and and uh, hang out for the evening and have a cocktail, get a chance to do a meet and greet. Uh, it's very these events are awesome they really are so go to fan hq and use the fan fan hq store.com um okay and use the promo code tool and you will get ten dollars off the vip package off the meet and greet package yeah meet and greet package because there's like three or four different packages the meet and greet package promo code tool 
$10 off fanhqstore.com. All right, so do you guys have anything else you need to mention before we get rolling here? Well, actually, one other thing, because I mentioned it last week, which disappeared. So um, if you're bored and you're looking for something to do, go to Facebook and look for the KISS Live Auctions. Uh, it's a thing that uh, is being run by several different You must fans. be bored a lot at home if you're watching KISS Auctions on Facebook. Well, I don't know what it is. It's just it's really interesting to me. So if you guys are looking for stuff to buy, go check them out because they, they, they do a great job. And it's just fun to watch to see all the different stuff that I'm not even aware of existing and watching people bid on it. So check them out there. If you if you join the, the KISS Live auctions on Facebook, you'll get um, an update every single time there's going to be an auction. And there's several different people running them throughout the week. It's just, I don't know, if you're a KISS fan and you're looking to collect stuff, this is a great place to do it. Cool. So yeah. special guest this week. Oh, you're going to love this. He's got some incredible stories. But even more importantly, we get to see an ultimate fanboy experience with Mark here. We've got Steve Unger from the band Metal Church joining us this week. And before you're going, what the hell does Metal Church have to do with Kiss? Steve is a Kiss fan of diehard levels. Mm -hmm. And the stories he talks about as a kid... And the personal story of the first time he met Paul, incredible. You will all love it. And again, like I said, there's some great moments just laughing at Mark going, I got one more question. Just one more question, Steve. So on this album, who? what did you really think of this? And and on this album, what what did you think of the album cover? Yeah. Uh, Look, uh, if you uh, have a chance to ask somebody in your one of your favorite bands questions you do the same damn thing oh of course i'm not saying i wouldn't it's just fun it's fun to watch it's like that saturday night live skit with uh, william shatner where the guy's like you know in episode 57 where you hid behind (laughs) that rock what's that rock made of (laughs) (laughs) oh you know what i think i gotta dig out remember couple years ago at the atlanta kiss expo who was it one of one of our listeners was at the table and he recorded we recorded a video of him imitating mark as chris farley from the saturday night live episode oh, yeah, i gotta that. i gotta Good. find that and put it Get in the front of this episode because that was dead on that's what you're getting Look, this week hockey's on it's eight o'clock i want to eat let's go wow 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 wow, wow. all right let it roll Steve Unger, Metal Church. Want to get your official Three Sides of the Coin logo and Shocker tee? Now you can. We ship worldwide. Get yours online at shop.threesidesofthecoin.com. Mark is going to go fanboy on you because he, yeah. is, he is a massive Metal Church fan. Well, that, no problem with that, man. This is an actually a bit of trivia, and I've shared this once before. God, here we go. And it just dawned on me a second ago. Now, now Steve, I, my entire basement is, 
an incredible Kiss museum. Um, everything from costumes to whatever you can gold sure. record line walls. If you're ever in Detroit, Steve, and you want sure. to literally see a Kiss museum that you, nobody's got, hit Mark uh -huh. up. You'll you'll but, be impressed. But, but here is right. here is where 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 here's where the Kiss. Uh, excuse me. Here's where the three sides trivia. This is crazy. Now, out of everything in my basement, and again, it's big. There's a, I only have two non-Kiss posters in the entire, and they're right by my CD collection. One is a ZO2 poster, which our guest David signed, excuse me, uh, Joey signed with the rest of the band. <laughs> the other is a Weight of the World promo poster, which Steve signed. And, and right on. Everybody else. So how crazy is that? I've only got two non-Kiss posters in my entire craziness down here. And oh. both posters i've had members of the band now on on the that, that's that's uh that's awesome man yeah. i mean to be among the ranks of all the kiss stuff <laughs> and my place my place it sounds a lot like yours but only mine is upstairs so when people walk into my house they're like what in the hell dude you know i got uh i mean i can see a pinball machine in the background i got it i got it about the only thing i don't have is like you said you had costumes i don't have costumes uh and i don't have the coffin that's about it you, you know, Steve, I actually when uh, when the uh, da, 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 uh, God, I got all my all my stuff. When when Damned If You Do came out, I actually wrote a Rat Pack and said, "Hey, I want to promote because I love the new record so much." I said, "Can I want to promote?" You know, the band on this. I, I said, "Is anybody a Kiss fan?" You know, and no one ever got back to me. So it's crazy. Almost a year later, Mark. You know what you sound like? You sound like that, that character in that movie Rockstar. He's like, oh, man, I'm so sorry your dog died. I sent flowers and everything. But, you know, you didn't call me back, but I know you're busy. All, all kidding aside, you know, I, I know that, look, the record company ain't what it used to be. And right. I just figured, you know what, the more press you guys get, because I've wore this shirt before, and I've worn my other metal shirt shirt before on the show, and I've had people... Like, oh, they're a great band. You know what I mean? So, um, as, as these two idiots. Ta like, Tommy, we could just leave and let Mark enjoy this all by himself. We don't even need to be here. We don't. <laughs> I just want to apologize on behalf of myself and my, Michael ahead of time because this is going to be like the Paul McCartney and. and, and uh, and, and Steve, uh, just, just so you know, this is the mark. If you remember that little video I had you record in the Metal Hall of Fame saying hi to uh, Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the uh, guy. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're missing out, bro. You need to be here, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Oh, uh, you know what? You know, I, I, I've been recording and this is all awesome. Let's just let's just start the continue the conversation here. So so for those of you who haven't figured out, we're joined by Steve Unger from metal church that's why mark is just like going he's deep over the fanboy edge within two minutes of the show starting exactly <laughs> Which, look you'd be disappointed if i didn't oh it's so. great exactly you're, my you're, heart would be broken you guys have already made my day yeah <laughs> so mark Mar mark playing the role of chris farley today <laughs> um it's all, so, it's all so true. steve you're here because I met you a couple weeks ago down in L.A. at the Metal Hall of Fame Awards. Yep. And uh, turns out you are a huge KISS fan, and you told me some incredible 
some fun, some great kiss stories. And and I think the best way to get this whole thing started is let's let's take us all back to when did you first discover Kiss? Oh man, I first uh, I was six, seven years old maybe, and uh, my next door neighbor who was you know maybe eight years older than I, he would bring over. It seemed every single day he would bring over a different Kiss album. And uh, the first one he brought over was Kiss Alive too. And I mean, I looked at the I looked at the cover of it. I flipped it over on the back side. I was like, "Well, oh, this is this is going to be good." And then before I even put the, the record on, I opened this thing up and I saw the inside insert with the fire and the flames and the stage. And I was like, "I already love this band." And then I put the album on and I was like, Shh. I was like uh, hooked and sold. And, and from there on out, it was just like they could do no wrong. Now, what what year would this have been? What year would it have been? Oh boy, I guess uh, Live Two was like what 76? 78. Okay, well then I would have been uh, nine years old. Okay, so it it was back then because as we are so fond of saying on the show, timeline is everything. So that we want to kind of establish your timeline, and and honestly, you know what you described was sort of my first experience as well you know I, right. I my first album was rock and roll over but pretty much right after that i remember getting kiss alive too and yeah. it just blew me away and for me kiss alive too is the quintessential kiss live album i don't take away from the importance of alive right but lot, it came out years before i discovered them so i you know Kiss Alive Two is my kiss. That's super kiss. Right. That I'm I'm the same way. And and you know I don't argue, but you know we, my friends and I we go back and forth, and they're like, oh, if you're gonna listen to any Kiss Alive, it's got to be Alive One. You know, I mean that's the essential kiss. And I'm like, yeah, but to me, I mean, I, I discovered them and I got into Kiss when they started. You know, I, I guess their sound. I hadn't heard it prior to this, so I was introduced to Kiss when they started actually producing the albums, you know, yeah. like Destroyer and Love Gun and Alive 2 and it's like, you know, it sounded like it was a produced sound and it, it was just the epitome of what every rock and roll band should be to me, you know, and it was left an impression on me as a kid that uh, you know, 50 today and it's still it's still rocking my world, so <laughs> and, and you know what, uh, speaking of live albums, Kiss Alive 3 is no slouch either, man, that I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I, yeah that's great. That great is, memories of that album. Heck yeah, man! I mean, they took and they just started breaking stuff out, and I mean, even like the uh, the disco, "I Was Made for Loving You," they rocked the shit out of that one, and yep. you know, it was so. So it was it. Kiss Alive Two was your first introduction, and and prior to that, had you even heard of or realized that Kiss was a band? Uh, well, I had not heard them yet. Um, I, I, at this time, I mean, I grew up in a household that uh, was like Elvis Presley. My parents played Elvis on the radio and, you know, the record player all the time. So I grew up, you know, listening to Elvis and, uh, my next door neighbor was like, dude, you gotta check this band out. And I was like, ah, all right, bring it over. And, and so that was actually how I got introduced to Kiss was my next door neighbor. And, you know, like I say, alive too. I I opened up and I was sold. I put it on and I was like, oh, there's the nail in the coffin. And then two days later, he brings over like the Destroyer album, and I'm like, dude. And then you know, week after that, he brings over the Love Gun album, and I'm like, what the? It, you know, it just the stuff just kept coming, and I was like, man, 
And then, you know, back in the day, Kiss was putting out like what an album a year, sometimes two, two, two albums, two, a two, albums a two albums a year. It's like, I mean, some bands it takes a year to record a album, and they were knocking them out two a year and touring at the same time. It's like I couldn't even believe it. That that was a that was a great way to be introduced to Kiss, like right around Kiss Alive too, because you could all of a sudden go back and there was all of this other music that was already out there. It was like I found this great album. Oh my God! There's six other albums I've just discovered instantly, as opposed right. to having to wait for the next and the next and the next. Right, right. And it, the it, merch by that point, the merch yeah, was merch, every, They were yeah. everywhere. Yep, I think. Well, from that year on, I think I de- I dressed up as you know one of the guys for Halloween every year. You know, <laughs> P- painting my face all up and everything. And, when know, was some- the first? When was the first time you saw them in concert? Oh, okay. So the very first time I saw Kiss in concert, I was like 13, and it would have been on. Oh, I think it. It might have been the Crazy Nights tour. Well, so it, I, thir- I never thir- saw. I never saw Kiss in the in the early days with makeup before they did the reunion tour. So I was like 13, maybe 14, and uh, I was on vacation with my parents in Cincinnati, Ohio, because all of my uh, grandparents and aunts and uncles, they all lived back in Cincinnati. So uh, our, our, uh, we had a two-week time that we were there for, and I heard on the radio that Kiss was going to be in Dayton, Ohio. And it was like two days after we were leaving, and, I, and it was on New Year's Eve. And I was like, no way, no way. So we were there for Christmas, and I was like, please, Mom and Dad, I would give anything to go to this concert, you know? And my parents actually stretched out our vacation an extra three days so that me and my cousins could all go see kiss and it was the first time i seen him that's that's pretty that's cool right. of your parents my parents have been super cool my entire life they've like supported me in every bit of music i mean even today yeah i know i am uh, you know, a lot of people don't have that a lot of people's parents are always like no you gotta cut your hair and get a real job my parents i mean when i was a kid and you know i was first like i said into elvis and then i got into kiss and then i was like Oh, this is what I want to do with my life, and so they would go out and they bought me guitars, amps. And I mean, what do you need? You know, I was like, well, an amp that stands about this tall. <laughs> I don't think you need an amp that stands that tall, but if that's what you think you need, I guess we'll have, you have to get it for you. So, yeah. um, <laughs> Tommy and Mike, you guys have a horrible echo on your. Well, I was gonna. I'm wondering if the echo is coming out of Steve. Are you on an iPad or an iPhone, Steve? No, I'm on a, uh, a little uh, laptop computer. Um, any chance you can turn down the volume on your laptop or plug in some headphones if you've got some handy? Let me uh, turn turn down the volume here real quick. You get a slap back from mine, you think? Yeah, I think it's coming back through your your connection. So you guys heard that too, then? Yeah. Just making... All right, how's that? Testing, one, two, three. You hearing anything, Mark? something. Is that any better now? Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can it, hear you. Mine, mine was coming more so from Tommy and Michael, which I don't know if it was coming through your. It probably speech. was. It, That's it, what yeah, I'm figuring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's just see if this this it definitely. I'm not hearing any feedback now. Yeah, so. neither am I. So I think. Um. So, so Steve, you first discover them in Kiss Alive too, but you don't see them live until the Crazy Nights tour out of makeup. What happened yeah. in all that time frame that you didn't get a chance to go see them live? Well, I, as as uh, as supportive as my parents were uh, for things that I wanted to do, 
they wanted no part of going to the Kiss concert. And they were like, you know, I was, they're not going to send a 10, 11, 12 year old kid by himself to go to a Kiss concert. And uh, it, it wasn't until, like I said, I was 13 and I was in Ohio and it just, my parents were like, well, we'll send all the, you know, all those cousins and everything. It'll be all right with everybody. And we don't have to go to it. <laughs> were, 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 were they, were they buying into the, um, you know, Kiss as Knights in Satan's service. No, no, not, not at all. It, it just wasn't their cup of tea at all. And, you know, I mean, every day I would bring him another song. And I'd be, but mom, listen to this. This is, this is Beth. You're going to like this song. It's not the hard stuff like, you know, mom, you listen, out mom, to, listen to Plaster Caster. Isn't this great, mom? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, it was like every day I'd sit at the dinner table and I'd be like, okay, now you guys just have to listen to this one song. I put on Hard Luck Woman thinking, you know, that, that's probably like the closest to Elvis style that Kiss is going to get. So listen to this one, guys. And you're like, eh, you know, that ain't so bad. Uh, but, you know, now they now, now uh, my, I still have both of my parents, so I'm lucky in that way, too. And uh, actually, was it my my dad went with us to Kiss at the Gorge on the, uh, uh, the reunion tour back in like 96, 97 when they came through the gorge sure. in Washington uh, and uh, he actually went to the show with us and that, that was kind of cool. So was kiss the band that made you want to become a musician? Uh, well, actually, <laughs> so my parents, when I was six years old, brought me to see Elvis Presley in the Seattle center Coliseum. And I, at six years old, I could not believe what I just saw. And I left that concert going, Oh my God, this is what I wanted to do. That's all I want to do. I just want to be an entertainer. I want to be a musician. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't know quite how to do it. You know, I mean, I couldn't really play anything. I could sing along to the Elvis albums, but, you know, I couldn't play the guitar or anything at that time. I, I was in the school orchestra. I played like violin and uh, I hated that. I, I kind of got sucked into that because my grandfather was, uh, he was the first chair violinist for the Harry James Orchestra. And, uh, so I kind of got pressured in, you know, when you get to fourth grade and the school time, uh, you know, they get you into the music programs. Yep. And, you know, it's either you go play for the band or you go play for the orchestra or you get in the choir. And I was like, choir is too gay for me. The band is cool. You know, uh, you know, I, nobody's playing a guitar in band. It's all trumpets and horns. And, uh, and then uh, when my grandfather found out that, you know, the, the music programs were started, he sent me out some thousand dollar Stradivarius violin and he goes here try this and so I just I just got handed a violin and I started playing it and hated it pretty much the whole time I used to sit here and pluck it you know in in class I'd pluck it like a guitar and I'd get in trouble every day you're treating that Stradivarius the wrong way young man I'm like oh you guys are killing me but uh then I got into uh I mean because I started off with Elvis uh so I got into like bluegrass music and bluegrass music kind of became fun to play on the violin. So I started learning how to play that on the violin. And, uh, you know, at that time, I started getting into, like, junior high school. And this, this is when I was, like, they had, like, Circus Magazine and uh, Hit Parader and, you know, all the magazines that you, you'd, you'd go to the store and you'd buy them. And I'd sit there in class and I'd look through them. And I'm looking at bands like White Snake and Rat and Bon Jovi and Kiss and Scorpions. And, man, they got all these badass outfits on and their hair's all big and long and they got chicks hanging off them like cheap clothing. And I'm like, I got to lose the violin and learn how to play the guitar. So. <laughs> well, and I, something you said, Steve, is really interesting because 
some of our younger listeners don't understand this concept. When I was a kid, and I'm just a little bit older than you, I would go to the record store and buy 45s. It's like if you like the song, you'd buy it, regardless of who the artist was. So it's interesting that you had that love of Elvis first because he was, you know, great in his own right. And it can transition into to Kiss. It doesn't have to be, look, you have to like Kiss and there's, there's nothing else in the world that exists. Right, right. Well, and I mean, my, my taste goes everywhere. I mean, I listen to everything from Fleetwood Mac to Kiss to Metal Church to my son's band, Sin Circus, uh, all the way to the Little, Little River Band. I mean, I, I listen to everything. So, yeah. And in the summertime when I'm not out touring, I, I have a 28 a foot boat that uh, I try to spend as much time as possible. And I just out there and I got the tunes cranking. And you, you, you won't even find a, a metal church CD or anything like that. You, you, I'll be out there, you know, jamming Jimmy Buffett and stuff like that just because it kind of puts yeah. you in the mode of being out on the water, you know? Well, I think our listeners would also find it interesting that on, an, on the side here, You've actually got a pretty incredible Elvis Presley tribute show that you. Yeah, do. I do. It's uh, it's called Alive in '85. It's called The King Alive in '85, and it's uh, it's the one and only show of its type. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of Elvis impersonators and Elvis shows, and you know, they're pretty much all the same. They do the '50s, '60s, '70s Elvis, the GI Joe, you know, the GI Blues Elvis, uh, the Hawaiian uh, shirt Luau on the beach Elvis. Uh, but they they all pretty much do the exact same show. Uh, you know, it, it starts with, the you know, the 50s Elvis and then they do the 68 comeback tour Elvis. And then they put him in a, you know, the guy gets into a Hawaiian shirt and he plays some of the, you know, the movie songs. And and then, you know, the, it always ends with the big jumpsuit era because that's that's where Elvis ended. Uh, my show starts where all the others ended and it's just called Alive 85. So. Uh, at the beginning of my show, it starts off with this video presentation that shows like the original, uh, the, the original news footage, you know, the, the King Elvis Presley has had a heart attack, you know, and this is before they were waiting to find out that he had died. So now we've recreated a newsroom and, uh, you know, it's like in a miraculous turn of events, you know, the King has made it through his heart attack and he's at home, you know, recovering at Graceland, you know, doctors say with proper rest, relaxation and, you know, diet, he'll be back on the stage in no time. And then so it goes to this uh, video footage of, you know, it, it, they don't really see me. All they see is like the Elvis pant leg and my suit running on a treadmill and uh, <laughs> lifting weights like this and, uh, you know, doing sit ups and stuff. Uh, and then, then I got some close ups of my, all the rings and everything. I got all the rings in the Elvis sleeve and it's throwing a peanut butter and banana sandwich in the garbage and <laughs> ice cream in the garbage. And shit, you know. So it just sets the whole stage before I even take the stage that, you know, people get it because. Otherwise, it, it, without the introduction of what the show is, people would be like, "What the hell is going on here, man?" Right. You know? So the, the audience actually understands what the show it, it's, it's set up perfectly, and then you know the lights go down and we do the big intro, and I come running out on stage in a jumpsuit, and uh, we just kick ass. We do, uh, you know, we hit them with like you know five of the the big Elvis hits right off the bat, you know. So it's it sets the legitimacy of the show that it is an Elvis tribute show. But then we take it to the next level. Uh, and the next level is that, you know, what did Elvis do his entire career? He redid everybody else's music and he made it his own. And, and, and you know, in, in most people's minds, made it better and made it a bigger hit. So if he would have lived on into the 80s, he probably kept doing the same thing. So what we do is we've picked uh, some of the greatest hit songs of the 80s. You know, we've changed the keys, changed the structures a little bit. Uh, and so I could sing it Elvis style. 
So, you know, we do things like Hold the Line by Toto and uh, uh, Give Me All Your Love Tonight by Whitesnake. You know, oh, nice. calls love <laughs> by Queen. And, yeah, I mean, it, it goes on and on. So we just, we picked like, you know, 15 of the biggest 80s songs that, you know, you could think of. And uh, we, like I say, we just changed the keys and, and we do them as though Elvis would have done them. And then, of course, we bring right. it back to the end and we, we finish the show, you know, hitting them with about five of the big Elvis hits and then people are gone, you know. I run off the stage and Stelvis has left the building. <laughs> yeah. Steve, Steve, you know, what kind of reaction do you get from, you know, the diehard metal church fans like Mark here who re- learn, my God, you do Elvis. How can you do Elvis? I mean, you're such a heavy metal, you're in a heavy metal band. What is this Elvis stuff? I mean, does it freak some people out to learn that? Uh, you know, it, 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 it does. People are like, they look at the show or they've seen it on, on online or something like that. They've seen videos and they're like, dude, I had no idea you could even do that because it's, it is so far removed from what metal church does. You know, uh, I mean, I, I love everything about metal church. I love running around, you know, being the guy. Cause I'm like the, well, Mike's pretty, pretty much running around the stage too, but you know, Mike and I are the two that pretty much are, you know, keeping the stage busy running around the place. And you know, this is, a whole lot different you know i mean i sing all the backups in metal church and all those parts are like way up there i mean i'm squeezing my balls to hit most of the other notes you know and then you know to sing elvis i, I mean i could sing elvis seven nights a week because it's just it's just my natural vocal range like all the metal church stuff that i sing is like it's it's really at the top of it is you know i'm pushing to hit those notes uh but yeah it, it's different and uh you know it, it's great because like some of the cruises and stuff that we've been on like just recently we did the mega cruise and uh you know i got people now coming up to me and they're like what's up king you know because <laughs> it, it's it's getting out there people are seeing the show online and they're like man you know it's 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 pretty damn cool you know it's it's really far removed from what you do but i haven't gotten any you know bad feedback from it Everybody's just like, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, when, when I saw the YouTube video, I mean, your your tribute, your the way you sing is just spot on. You've got it nailed. So there's immediate respect. It's just one of those things for a split second. You're going, how does a guy in metal church end up doing Elvis Presley? And of course, once you learn your influences as a kid it makes complete sense you grew up on elvis presley right that was that was my my what i wanted to do was you know like i say i grew up from the time i was just a baby to the time i was nine when i got introduced to kiss so there was nine years of pretty much you know elvis and buddy holly and you know all all the guys that my parents used to listen to so don't you find find a lot of metal fans because i'm one of them I let my I'm like you, uh, uh, Steve. My 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 music taste runs you know everything from you know I always joke from you know Sinatra to Slayer and all points you know in between. I I find that people who are really geeky metal fans like everything. Like me, I could sit and li- when I was a kid, I liked Louis Prima because I, I just thought it was fun. You know what I mean? You like who? Louis 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 Prima. Okay. Do you know you know who that is? I do. Okay. But that music was fun. You know, I come from a big Italian family and, you know, uh, that 
sort of music was and, and my mother loved big band music and swing yeah and that was the stuff that i grew you know and it's funny because my mother used to listen to a thing called honey radio which played a ton of elvis honey radio was all 50s music so before i, I before i got into hard rock and and metal you know uh, i i was well versed in tommy dorsey and you know all because that, that's what my parents and my mom listened to and right. i liked it you know and to this day that stuck with me but you know same thing when i was a, a kid I, I i got into you know i'm a few years older than you but you know am radio here in detroit was playing the suite and alice cooper and bachman turner overdrive and you know that yep. stuff really made a big impression on me and and i've shared this story many times on the show but just you know since you're on I was really into like universal monsters like that one in Toho films, you know, Godzilla, all this stuff. And I my older brother had hotter than hell, you know, in the fall of 74. And I remember putting like he put the needle on the grooves. I'm like, that looks it sounds like it looks, you know what I mean? It it's got that. I, I can't even describe it, but I mean, to me, it made perfect sense. You know what I mean? I'm like, right. that sounds the way that picture looks. And I've been right. hooked ever since. So, Steve, before all of the KISS fans tune out going, fuck Elvis, we're a, Ki <laughs> we're a, Kiss, we're a KISS podcast, because we'll get that. Um, let, let's let's pivot back to, to KISS here. So... Um, what sort of influence has Kiss had on you as a stage performer? Oh, well, it's pretty much everything. Uh, I mean, the way I play, I mean, I started off playing the guitar and I learned how to play the guitar to Kiss Alive 2 and Destroyer and Love Gun. And I learned how to play all those songs. And I mean, you know, much like, you, you hear me do the Elvis thing and it's like, oh, yeah, well, you grew up to that. Well, this is what I grew up to playing music as well. And this is actually when I put a guitar in my hand. That was my first impression of playing guitar was playing the Kiss stuff. So even today when I write a song, I think it still has. I mean, it doesn't sound like it's a Kiss song, but it still has maybe the simplicity of a Kiss song. You know, and I'm not saying that all the Kiss songs are simple because they're not. Uh, they just have. When Kiss writes a song and you learn it, you're like, you know, there's there's something really catchy about this. And that was the thing that Kiss did. They had hooks and everything. I mean, that Detroit Rock City, I mean, right off the bat, I mean, you're already you're already banging your head and the drums kick in, you know, and then bombs are going off and you're like, dude. This is already my favorite song, and still today I'm 50, and Detroit Rock City is probably my favorite song. And that was the first actual song, I mean, because that's the opening song in life, too. So that was the very first song from Kiss I heard, and it was my favorite song then, and it's still my favorite song today. But uh, anyway, as far as uh, how does it uh, made me be a, a musician, uh, I think, you know, I think about songs in the same way that I grew up listening to their songs being structured. Uh Obviously, my showmanship on stage, you know, geez, I wear a Paul Stanley guitar strap. I mean, anybody that knows, like a Kiss fan, they pick that out and they're like, that guy's wearing a Paul Stanley guitar strap. And uh, I mean, I, I guess maybe my stage, my look, my, my moves. I mean, who didn't steal a couple of moves from Paul Stanley? That guy's badass on stage, right? <laughs> and 
comes from somebody, you know, Paul Stanley would be the guy to do it to. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a, now, uh, so you're into Kiss, you're, you're 13, 14. I want to try and draw the bridge to, to, you know, the kind of music that you play now. Did you go through a phase where, you know what, there's this maiden and this priest and there's Motorhead and, that's all heavier than Kiss. Like, when did you, I'm assuming, because most of the metal musicians I talk to, you know, Kiss was really a stepping stone. They, they taught you about the love of music, and, and, you know, these are songs you can sit down and learn to play. But then there's that next phase, and even, you know, early Rush and stuff like that that you start, because I've been playing drums for about 40, over 40 years, and, you know, once you learn how to play the basic beat, then you, you go on to the next thing. You know what I mean? Right. You always you come back to that. So I'm just, I'm just, you know, just wanted to know what was your, after Kiss, what was your next stepping stones? Oh man, after Kiss, uh, I think my, the next band that I got into would have been like Whitesnake. Uh, I, I never, you know, I, I guess Metal Church is like the heaviest band that A, I've ever been in uh, and is the heaviest band that I really listened to. Or up to the time that I've been in in Metal Church, you know, I I grew up here in, in Washington, so I knew the guys in Metal Church, uh, you know, when I was a kid. I used to I used to be in a club band, and uh, they you know Metal Church came from Aberdeen, which is like an hour and a half from where I live. So I was in a uh, a working club band, you know, doing the five night a week grind, you know, playing a bunch of cover tunes and stuff. And I was maybe nineteen at the time. And uh, we, we would play this uh, place down in Aberdeen. And then after the bar closed and we would go to the after hours parties that were held at the, the place that all the guys at Metal Church were hanging or had their rehearsals or whatever. So I met the guys when I was just a kid, you know, 19, 20 years old. And, uh, you know, I mean, Nirvana was there. They'd party at the at the uh, house with us and everything like that. And uh, it, it, it's just crazy that, you know, here it is this many years later and I'm actually playing in the band. Let me real quick. When you mentioned partying with Nirvana at that house, um, did you realize back then that they were Kiss fans? Uh, no, they were the band that was absolutely horrible. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> Thank you. They would, they would be in the they would be in the room playing, and like everybody would leave the room and go and congregate in the other room, and. Uh, I mean, I, I knew them and I talked with them, and but, you know, they weren't Nirvana at the time. This is before they did anything big. Right. Uh, and they were just, at the time, uh, not really good. And, uh, it, you know, we, we would then migrate to another room and everybody would be doing drinks and, you know, trying to get laid and whatever else you did it, you know, between two and six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nirvana probably was not good music for getting laid to. Not really. No. They, uh, no. <laughs> but, but on the bright side, they chased the girls out of the room, too. So they were back in the room where we were. So it was like, you know, shooting fish hey, when, in a barrel. When you were saying you were getting into Whitesnake, I'm just going to, to assume it was the Americanized version of Whitesnake. Did, did you ever go back like you did with Kiss? And I love the early stuff. I love Trouble. I, I You know, I, I like that early Whitesnake stuff did you go back and get into that as well well at the time let's see here i believe that uh on that trip when i was 13 and we were going to go visit my grandparents for christmas where i actually got to see kiss for the first time uh that entire car drive 
I had bought the White Snake White Snake album, and uh, you know it's uh, here I go again, and you know give me all your love, you know the the big one that they had, and uh, I listened to that, I listened to that thing from Seattle to Ohio and back to back to <laughs> Seattle again. So I like learned every song inside and out, and uh, that kind of like hooked me there for the White Snake uh, sound and you know my love for White Snake. And then, yeah, of course, you know, as time progressed, you know, you find out other stuff that they do. And, you know, then they started coming out with other songs like The Deeper to Love and all that kind of stuff with the later albums. Um, and then you start discovering people are like, oh, yeah, well, did you check out, you know, you know with the, the Rainbow stuff? You know, you like uh, you back back in the earlier days. And uh, I just seen White Snake. They played a casino and uh, they, they came out with. Uh, basically played all the old stuff you know and uh it was like a lot of it i didn't i didn't even really know it was white snake and uh people were like well, well it really isn't but it is because it was coverdale singing yeah, yeah, yeah. They did, uh, a lot of the deep purple stuff yeah um, yeah the deep purple yeah so i'm sorry i said rainbow i'm sorry yeah the deep purple. i knew what you meant so yeah yeah, so it was more of a, a deep purple type tribute kind of thing, and I mean, I, I thought it was cool, but you know, I kind of wanted to, to hear, you know, sl you know, slide it in, and you know, all the big White Snake songs, and you know, they they still slip those in, but it was kind of focused more towards the uh, deep purple stuff. So, Steve, let's um, let's let's get into your your Kiss stories that that you were sharing with me at the Metal Hall of Fame. Um, huh. Can can you? Uh, just start sharing that with with uh, with our listeners here. Yeah. All right. So this would have been 1990. Well, it would have been 97. My my son was four years old at the time, and it was when uh, Kiss was doing the uh, the reunion tour, and uh, I got a call from my agent that booked my band, and he's like, "Hey, man, I, I got I got something for you. You're gonna love." And I was like, oh, yeah, what's she look like? <laughs> he's like, no, 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 it's not that. Because I got you three front row tickets to Kiss for next week's show. And I was like, oh, my God. So I brought uh, my son, uh, Devin, who at the time was five, uh, to his very first show was a Kiss show. And, you know, weren't up in the nosebleed sections. We were right in the front row. And... Uh, I, I was I was already blown away that I'm in the front row at my favorite Kiss concert with my son for his very first concert. And uh, so we're watching the show and everything is great. And so I got my son and he's like sitting up on my shoulders and he's got these big, you know, for shooting guns, earplugs on his head. So, you know, they stick out this far and he's just he's up here singing. He's got his hands in the air and he, he they, both of my sons grew up on Kiss. So to them kiss to them is like Elvis was to me. So that's what they just grew up on kiss. Mm -hmm. So at, you know, five years old, he's up on my shoulder and he's singing these songs word for word. And uh, all of a sudden I see on the back screen behind uh, kiss, the big led screens is, you know, a big close-up of my son, you know, up here with his hands in the air and singing the songs. And I was like, dude, you're up on this. He sees himself up there and he's like, that's me. <laughs> you know? And he was so excited about it. And so about, uh, you know, Two-thirds of the way through the concert, uh, Paul Stanley, he gets right in front of me, and he points right to me, and he's like, stay there, don't move. And I was like, okay. And uh, so one of the guys came through, and they opened up the uh, 
you know, the, the photo pit area and they opened the gates for my, uh, my son and I to get in there. So I like grabbed my son and I, he's kneeling up on the stage and I'm standing in the pit, just kind of holding him like this. So he doesn't fall off the stage and all the guys would come down and they were like high-fiving him and giving him pics and everything. And I was, I'm sitting around, I'm totally blown away. I'm like, this I can't even believe this is happening right now. You know, it's my son's first concert and my favorite band and, you know, and so I'm still sitting there and, you know, at the end of the show comes where they start singing, uh, you know, rock and roll all night. And, and Paul, this is one he used to come flying out of the side of the stage on a trapeze kind of thing. And uh, he had his guitar hanging on his back and he comes flying across like Tarzan and he like jumps on the stage. And he lands right in front of us, takes his guitar off, signs his guitar and he hands it to my son. And I'm just like, I couldn't believe it. I'm I'm holding my son. I'm holding the guitar. Kiss is right in front of me, just rock and roll all night and away. And, you know, the end of the show, just, you know, bombs and everything are going off. And I'm just, this is the closest I've ever been to a Kiss show. And here I am with my son. And I just, there's just so many emotions hit me at one time. And I was like, I can't even believe this is happening. And then, you know, boom, boom, boom. Good night. And, it goes black and I'm standing there like, what just happened right now? I'm looking at a guitar. I'm looking at my son he, and he's just smiling. And I, you know, as I turn around, I start making my way out of there. Doc McGee comes walking up and he's like, Hey, Mr. Stanley, would like to meet you guys backstage. If you got a few minutes. And I was like, let me check my schedule here. See if I can pencil. Him in. <laughs> so uh, anyway, he, they, they opened the gate and they let uh, my son's mother come through. And so they brought the three of us into a back room. And this was, uh, you know, one of the backstage rooms with all the catering and everything. And I walked in there. I couldn't believe it. There was there must have been 200 pounds worth of grapes piled up on tables and everything. It was, it was the biggest food spread I've ever seen in my life. And uh, they Doc walked us in there, and he's like, all right, you guys make yourself at home. You know, Paul will be in a little bit. So uh, my son's running around the room. We're, we're munching on, you know, food that's uh, that's there. And uh, about 15, 20 minutes later, um, Paul comes. He opens the door. He comes walking in. And he's already taken off his makeup, and he's, he's wearing, like, these leather overalls things and some kind of, like, French leather hat kind of thing. And uh, my son, he's, you know, he's five and he's running around the room and all of a sudden he stops and he goes, hey, you're Paul Stanley. And Paul's like, hey, man, what's up, little dude? And uh, my son says to him, he goes, I kind of like the other Paul Stanley better. <laughs> he goes, oh, with the makeup. And he goes, yeah. So uh, anyway, Paul comes in, he sits down in the chair and uh, my son climbs up on his lap and Paul brought him a, uh, a program from the concert. He says, hey, man, I brought, I brought this for you. And so my son's opening it up. He's flipping through the pages. He goes, that's Peter Cruz. That's Ace Freely. You know, and so Paul looks at me. He's like, man, this kid knows a lot about us. And I'm like, well, he should. I mean, it's pretty much all they grew up listening to because, you know, I've been a Kiss fan since I was my son's age here. And, and he's like, man, that's, that's, that's really great. He goes, so what's your name, little man? And so my son's name is Devin. And uh, Paul is like, no way. My son's name is Evan. So my son is looking at him. He's like, well, can me and your son be friends? And, you know, they, they just started talking. And uh, it, it was like the coolest thing. Watching my five-year-old son have this full-blown conversation. He, he, you know, I was I was still kind of starstruck and shit. I was like, damn, I can't even believe that I'm standing here in a, in a room with Paul Stanley with my son. And he's having a conversation and I'm watching it all go down. And uh, 
So he probably spent 15 minutes in the room with us. And then he asked, he goes, hey, do you, you guys have a camera? And I was like, man, they were shaking you down really hard at the entrance of this place. You couldn't get a camera in here. And he was like, well, hang on a second. So he goes out and he grabs somebody and they come in and they, they take a picture of us, you know. And uh, he goes, give me your, uh, give me your uh, address and everything. And if this turns out, I'll make sure you get a copy. And I was like, eh, you're probably sure, whatever, but you know, I'm never going to see this picture. And so I gave him my information and, uh, I got it right here. Actually, two weeks later, two weeks later, this picture shows up. I see. Can you see it? Wow. That's- yep. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's, that's my ex, my son and Paul Stanley all hanging out. It's, uh, autographs here and the, uh, he wrote a little notes like, hey, Devin, very nice to meet you. You know, keep rocking, you know, listen to your dad, you know, stay in school, all that kind of stuff. And follow Stanley. And, so uh, was it about it? What was it about it? Do you think that that it led to this? Did he just was he so impressed with with your son knowing all the lyrics and singing along? I, or? I think so. Well, he did say that, you know, uh, you know, from the stage, he looks out and he goes, it's, it's such a great feeling to see, you know, parents bringing their young kids to our shows and you know you i I think that my son just kind of stuck out because he had the big earplugs on and he was up on my shoulders and he was just totally rocking out and singing word for word you know the the songs and i you know paul probably like man this little kid uh he's he's kind of kind of hip to us you know and uh so that's that's how that night all went down and that is so cool yeah it was you know and that's that's, that's just one of the things that you know it, it, it makes me feel good as a KISS fan it, it, that since I was five years old and, you know, this was, well, eh, this was a long time ago. But uh, uh, when that, that night happened, um, you know, up until that night, I've been a KISS fan. And, you know, I've been a KISS fan all through school and stuff so much where I used to get in fights on the playground when other kids would say, KISS sucks, you know, and I'd be like, same here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've been there. We've all been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was always in the Kiss Army and everything. And I had this, like, leather jacket that had, like, a plastic. I mean, this is kind of stupid now that I think about it. But it had a plastic thing that was, like, for a name tag or something. And I had, I would put in my my Kiss Army badge, you know, Steve Unger, (laughs) Kiss Army member. And uh, (laughs) and people would call me. That was my name was Mr. Kiss in in school. And like I say, I used to get in fights and all kind of stuff, but it just that night. Uh, and, and, you know, two weeks later, the follow up where he actually followed through and sent me the pictures and everything. And it just blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. It made me a, a firm believer in the fact that, you know, this has been my band since the beginning and things like what he just, what he just did, what he just showed me that he didn't have to do uh, is, is, uh, I don't know. It's just reassurance that, you know, I made the right choice in, in, in who to make my favorite band. And, yeah, and the fact that here's someone that you've, you've loved for so long and has influenced you in so many ways, and they turn out to be who you hope they would be. Yeah. That's what yeah. makes it so great. Yeah. And, and, you know, on the flip side of that, you know, being in metal church, I've met a lot of guys that I used to look up to. And, you know, I, there's a lot of them that I wish I didn't meet because it's kind of a disappointment. Yeah, that's unfortunate, isn't it? It, it is. It is, and I, I, you know, I'm not going to throw out any names because I still, no. you know, mix with these people and everything. But uh, you know, 
it, it's it's really something special that somebody that you believed in for so long turned out to be what you thought they were. Yeah, Steve, I think that's huge. Steve, did yeah. did what Paul did for you that night? Did that rub off on you for how you treat metal church fans? Oh, a- absolutely. Um, you know, there, there's I'm probably well, our drummer Stet and myself are probably the two most accessible guys in metal church as far as the fans go. Cause I mean, we both come from the school that we remember being the, 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 the kid growing up and looking at somebody that you thought was bigger than life and almost being too intimidated to even go up and say something to them, you know, let alone ask for a picture or an autograph. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I personally remember, you know, when I would see people like that, I'd be like, man, I don't know. If, I don't even know if I should go up and say something to them because I don't even know what to say. Uh, but you know, when people do, it's like, if, if you don't stop and take the time to, you know, acknowledge them and, you know, let them take a picture. It's like a lot of people seem to forget, you know, when they get in, in, in any kind of a successful, successful situation, they kind of forget who got them there. And if it wasn't for those people that, you know, are fanatic about your band and they are buying your, your albums and they're wearing your t-shirts and, you know, they're going to your shows and they're telling their friends about your band. If it wasn't for those people, you know, we'd just be another band playing in mom's garage still probably, you know? Right. Yep. So, That's so true. So yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, Paul Stanley, that was obviously a, a big learning experience for me just because it was so impactful that, you know, I felt that somebody that I, grew up with and, and admired and looked up to so much actually turned out to be this person that was so cool and would do something like this. Uh, so yeah, I mean that, that pretty much has gone over into you know, how I treat people as well. I mean, I probably would have treated people the same way regardless, but it's just now that it's personally happened to me and I know the impact that it's had on my life and my son's life. Uh, you know, it, it makes it so you really want to go the extra mile to, you know, meet the fans and shake their hand and take a picture and if anybody comes up and asks for anything i, I, I try to do it for them you know As which is here because you know that's that's so important to them just like it was to you and i i commend you for that and I, i've been around a lot of musicians because i do a lot of photography and for the most part i think every single one of them has always been nice but every once in a while you see a couple where you're just like really you're just i think to myself you're so lucky anyone even wants to talk to you and yeah. yet you're acting like this. It's like, I, so I think it's, it's, I guess it, to me, it's really cool to hear you as a professional touring musician see say this because to me, it's like, that's how it should be. Yeah, you know? I, I think so too. I mean, cool. you know, especially in today's day, uh, you know, where you got Facebook and, you know, you got all these uh, social media platforms where people can actually, you know, reach out and send you a message and, and you know, Sometimes you can respond. Sometimes you don't respond. Sometimes the message is a little creepy and you're like, hmm, I don't know about this. <laughs> but, you know, for the most part, you know, people are, are legitimate and they, uh, you know, they they just want to say something. You know, hey, I've been a been a fan since the beginning. I love you guys. You know, I've been with you the high times, low times, you know. And that re- resonates with me because with Kiss, I mean, they had high times and low times. I mean, there was times through the 80s and everything where Kiss wasn't the cool band, you know. And it's like if you were still a Kiss fan, yeah. people were like, what are you doing, man? Those guys are going down. They'll be done in the next year or two. And you're just like, yeah, when they were first starting, people told them they would never be anything anyway. And then, then now today, they're still the biggest band in the world. You know, 
wrong, wrong, wrong. You were. Yeah, right. yep. we, 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 we picked the right band to hitch our wagon to because nearly 50 years later, they're still touring. Yeah, and, and that was really the impetus. You know, if you checked out our, our website or anything and, you know, Michael always, you know, with, with the whole, the, you know, the haters thing. And it, I, I look back at when, you know, we were kids and some of the older kids were you know, kisses, like you just said, you know, they're not going to be around. As soon as they take the makeup off, they're, you know, that's it. That's all they are is a makeup and show band. Mm-hmm. Look, we were right the entire time. Yep. You know, they, yep. they took the makeup they, off. Those, they, they still did it. Yeah, they did. They didn't. They exactly. That's that's exactly it. We were right all along. Our gut feeling was right. Uh, the band that we loved, um, we showed them all. I mean, as fans, by sticking with them. Yep. And, uh, you know, our reward is a, is a catalog of incredible music, you know. And, and I've always stated that, too. For as much as I love Kiss, and, and like everybody else, you know, um, the show and the look and everything gotcha. But if that's all it took, then... Hell, everybody would be doing that. You know what I mean? It, right. There are. That's one of the things that I argue to the death with people is if they didn't have the, the songs that they have, they'd be nothing. And, and yeah. you got to give them. You got to give them their due. They they write catchy, good, fun rock and roll songs. And yep. And and I, I think another thing that has has helped Kiss kind of become a big. Uh, I don't know how to explain it, but I think that they appealed to many more people than they would have if, let's say, that Paul Stanley was the only singer of Kiss. The fact that they all sang songs, uh, it, it appealed to more people because some people thought Ace Frehley had a great voice. Some people thought Gene Simmons was a, was the best singer in the band. Some people thought Peter Chris was it. And, you know, of course, most people thought Paul Stanley was the singer of the band, but they all sang and they they just their different vocal style either appealed or it didn't appeal. But if that didn't appeal to them, you know, the next guy singing a song would appeal to them. And uh, I, I think that it appealed to massive more people because there was four guys singing instead of like most bands have one guy singing. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Steve, Steve, did your son bring the autographed guitar to, to kindergarten the next day for show and tell? <laughs> well, uh, I'm I'm sure I don't know if it was the next day or not, but I'm sure over the years he he did take it to uh, school. Uh, you know, of course, I would probably go with him just to make sure nothing happened to it because it's <laughs> it's still up in our Kiss collection as one of our prized possessions. Oh, of course, that's probably yeah. the, it has to be at the top of the most important items you've got because it's personal. It's got a story right. behind it. Exactly. People so, are always like, dude, you got a Paul Stanley guitar? I'm like, I, I got several Paul Stanley guitars, but this one he actually gave to my son. Yeah. You know? He played it and gave it to me for free. Yeah, at the very first concert that I brought my son to see ever. Yep. Yep. Have you um, met Paul or any of the guys in Kiss since then? Oh, yeah. I've, uh, uh, see, I've met Paul probably, I don't know, six, eight times. You know, went and seen him on his uh, solo tour, the uh, Live to Win, Live Win to Live tour. Yeah, uh, got to got to you know spend some time with him there. Did he uh, re- did he remember you? I don't think so. He was he had just on that show in Seattle. He had just gotten a 
one of his molar tooth or something was pulled out and he was like, Hey man, I'm you know, not, not really myself tonight. So, uh, you know, I'm just doing this, you know, meet and greet thing. And, uh, you know, don't take it the wrong way. You know, it's tr- trying to let people know that, you know, I'm not really up for this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, and then, uh, I, I saw him again, uh, in Sturgis, uh, this probably, geez, 10, 12, no, well, more than that. Yeah. Probably about 12 yeah. years ago when they played Sturgis. Uh, I actually, so the back of my Harley Davidson has got the four solo album faces across the back of my Harley. And, uh, we, we were at the, uh, they played the Glencoe and, uh, we were, we were like in the middle of the day, we were walking around and, uh, I seen Doc McGee and I was like, Doc, dude. And he's like, looking at me like he didn't remember who I was or anything. And I was like, dude. You probably don't remember this, but I told him the story about how he pulled me backstage with my son and everything. He's like, oh, right on. Well, you guys you guys are here to see Kiss tonight, huh? And I was like, yeah, man. And he looks over at my bike, which is, you know, five feet away from me, and he sees the Kiss thing on the back, and he's like, wow, you got you got those guys airbrushed on your, on your bike? And I was like, yeah, dude, I'm, I mean, you know, I'm sure you understand. You see this kind of stuff from people all the time. And he's like, yeah, but this is, this is pretty cool, you know? And, uh, so he goes, how many is in your party? And I was like, well, it's me and my girlfriend and my buddy. And uh, he goes, I need you to hang out for about 15, 20 minutes. So he drives off in his in his little golf cart. And I was I was figuring, oh, that's probably the last time I'm going to see him, but I'm hanging out for 20, 30 minutes anyway. And he came back and he gave me three backstage passes. And he was like, I want you to drive that motorcycle backstage and uh, we'll see what we can do about getting it signed. Wow. And so uh, I got to bring my bike in and uh, there was there was obviously some some kind of tension going on because the guys in the band were not real happy. But I don't know what the situation was, whether it was a stage, whether it was a setup or I don't know. But Eric Singer, now I've met Eric Singer many times. He came out and he, he knows me. He's, I've actually been to Eric's house. So he's like, dude, what's up? And I was like, dude, I brought my bike back here. Get you guys to sign it. So he, he signed it, and I was like, any chance of getting the other guys out here to sign it? And he's like, well, I'll, I'll see what I can do, man. And so, you know, the night started to fall, and, you know, the show kicks off, and uh, they they came ru- running out, and I guess they were – each of them were in their uh, golf cart things because it's probably 150 yards from where their dressing room was to the stage. And uh, the guy that was driving Gene's golf cart – Almost ran over Tommy Thayer. <laughs> Tommy walked right in front of his golf cart as he started going. And, you know, all I hear is Gene go, stop! <laughs> in the Gene Simmons voice. And I was like, oh, shit. And so uh, the timing wasn't wasn't right at that particular time. They asked him to come over and sign my bike. So they went and they did the show. And uh, I got to watch the show from side stage. And, you know, first time I've ever seen a Kiss show from the side of the stage. That was that's pretty cool. Has um, has Metal Church ever done any festival shows with Kiss? Uh, we have been on uh, the same festivals, but I've never played the same day with Kiss uh, on the same festival, which has kind of been heartbreaking. But I play in a uh, I play in another band that's that's uh, a European band. It's called Last Temptation, and we have a date in June in France that we are playing with them on a festival show. On, uh, yeah, it's got. I believe it's. I think it's Hellfest in France. Sure. Yeah. I think it's June 9th or tenth or something like that. So nice. Yeah, I'll actually, I'll actually be able to say, 
I've played on the same stage, same day with Kiss. I That's opened awesome. for Kiss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, this is probably going to be about eight bands between e- us. Exactly, and, you know, but it doesn't matter. You're on the bill. Details are important. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, so I want to know, we always ask this question to our guests. What was the very first Kiss record you purchased with your own money? Purchased with my own money would have been double platinum. Okay. After uh, my neighbor, okay. my neighbor brought me over and he gave me his Alive 2. He gave me uh, Destroyer. He gave me Love Gun. And then uh, I, I remember, I do believe, but they didn't, double platinum came after like Destroyer and Love Gun, right? Yeah. Correct. So, yeah. So there's the, the waiting period where, you know, the, the radio used to like build it all up. It's like, oh, the new Kiss album's coming out. And uh, I just remember seeing that big silver, you know, album cover. I was like, it's double, that's a double record. It's got everything in it, man. So that was the very first Kiss record that I bought would have been double platinum. Very cool. Steve, let me, let me get your, your feelings on this i mean you obviously like you said you know eric singer but you've been a a fan since 78 what do you think of kiss with eric and tommy in the band wearing the original makeup well uh i mean i i kind of wish that they would have put eric in his own thing like you know uh uh the, the fox you know he had his own thing you know and uh I don't know why they went back. I, I, I suppose I really don't know why they put him in the Peter Chris makeup. You know, that, that caused a lot of tension between, you know, Peter Chris and the band. And it caused a lot of tension between fans and the band. Cause a lot, of, I think a lot of them, you know, felt like, you know, Eric Singer was a uh, imposter or something like that, you know? Uh, but I mean, I think that, you know, Eric Singer is not only he's a cool dude, but he's a really good drummer. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Eric, Eric Carr was a great drummer too. I mean, he was it was amazing. But the thing about Eric Carr was that he had his own he had his own thing, his own the Fox persona, and uh, you know Vinnie Vincent. He had the Egyptian, you know, whatever thing. And you know, each of the other guys that they brought in to fill the original dude's shoes, they gave them their own thing. But then when Tommy and and Eric were in the band, they they did it. I, I personally, it, it doesn't affect me either way. I mean, I I still think the band is great. Uh, you know, I think that uh, Eric Singer's you know way more capable of playing the drums these days, especially than Peter Chris is. Uh, but uh, and, and even in Peter Chris's day, I think Eric Singer is musically a better drummer. You know, just like I think that Bruce Kulick was probably the best guitar player they ever had. You know, musically, I don't know that he's the one that fit the band the best because. Kiss wouldn't have been Kiss without Ace Freely and Ace Freely's style of playing. Ace Freely's solo, you know, which is kind of simple stuff, but it was what made the Kiss sound. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't have any bad feelings about either of the guys doing it because I think that they're just trying to recreate, you know, the classic Kiss. And there's, you know, there's a lot of kids growing up that and didn't see the classic Kiss. And, uh, you know, all they know is posters and pictures and, you know, the CDs that they look at. And so they're just trying to recreate, you know, what they did back in the day, which made Kiss Kiss to the people of today that, you know, maybe didn't know Kiss when they were, you know, originally Kiss. Fair point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, 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 
like Mark talked about earlier, we've all got our opinions on that, but whatever they are, it's 2020 and it's worked. They, yep. it worked putting them in there. They, you know, if, if it really had upset the vast majority of fans out there, they'd be playing to a thousand people a night at a theater somewhere. Right. Instead but of, they're not. They're still selling out arenas. They're still selling out arenas because people, as as you said, people want to go at this point. You can argue whether it's right or wrong for Kiss to do this, but people want to go and remember the band they grew up with as a, as a kid. Yep. And that was the four makeups of the original members. That's right. that's what's going to so, take you back. I mean, you know, all of us were there through Eric Carr and Vinnie Vincent and the new makeup. But, you know, as I tell people, I'm like, let, let's be honest here. Um, Eric Carr's makeup and Vinnie Vincent's makeup in the U.S. were there for only one tour. A tour that very few people went to, the Creatures Tour, because it kind of bombed. So mm-hmm. there isn't a tremendous amount of people other than us diehards, super diehards, who even remember those, those makeups. That cost. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was back when well, they had the big ar- army tank as the uh, the drum yep. riser, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Steve, don't, don't you kind of feel, I mean, because you're in a band that had essentially three different eras with three different singers. Well, yeah, with three different singers. Do you, do you ever get any bands that, or any fans go, you know, I wish you did more of the David Wayne stuff or... Oh, you know, you, all, all you the time. Johnny Monroe. Um, yeah. You know, you think that right. stuff's underappreciated. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just curious because you, you have to deal with that when you're talking to metal church fans. Right. And, and you know, you got to give them their, their, their opinion is their opinion, and you have to respect them for it because you know they're, they're saying it right to you. And I, you know, I, exp- I, I respect somebody that says something to me, even if it's something that you know doesn't cast me in the greatest light. If they're you know, truthful for me, that's what they actually feel. So you have to respect them for that. And, uh, you know, a lot of people that, you know, they want, they want to hear more of the David Wayne stuff. And you're like, well, you know, David Wayne is not with us anymore. And, uh, yeah, he hasn't been with the band and, you know, now he's, he's, he's done passed away. So there's no bringing him back to the band. And, you know, Mike, Mike, Howe, um, I guess, you know, we we play a lot of the Mike Howe era stuff because Mike is in the band now, and yeah, people never leave me alone. <laughs> uh, we play, you know, I mean, we obviously we have to, you know, concentrate on the Mike Howe stuff because Mike Howe is the singer that's in the band now. Uh, but we do we we pick a handful of the David Wayne era stuff, and you know, obviously we keep cranking out these new albums, and every time you put out a new album, you got to pick two or three songs that you add to your set, so you're pushing your new stuff as well. And, uh, you know, there's there's only so much time you're allowed you're allotted on a stage, you know, in festival show. It's usually a 60 minute show. You're doing a headline club show. It's a 90 minute show. But, you know, you can only put so many things in 60 or 90 minutes. And, exactly. uh, you know, it's like you got to cover all the bases. And so, you know, so we try to make everybody happy. But, you know, you, you just no matter how hard you try, you can't make every person happy. But do you ever, not and not in a disrespectful way, but do you ever just, does it ever wear you out? You know, having those endless discussions with people, and it's not about not being respectful for their opinion, but it's it's kind of like, 
stuff isn't meant to last. And so if you're in the band now and you guys are producing new music and you're touring, you want to be respectful for all the genres, but it's just like, dude, really? I mean, I, there's only so much that you can do. Does it ever just get kind of like, oh, it's the same conversation again? Like Groundhog's Day? Well, you know, you, you I guess you could pretty much say that with anything in life, you know, it's the same thing yeah. over and over again. But uh, I, you got to listen to it because it's, it's it's the way people feel. And I mean, if you just totally disregard them and be like, oh, well, this is what the band is now. And, I, you know, sorry, you're not getting what you need out of it. You know, that person's probably going to go away with a bad attitude about the guy was a douchebag, you know. Yeah, and I, I wasn't David Wayne. There wouldn't be any of this going on, and it's like you you gotta you gotta give them their 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 due. Do. And yeah. I don't mean to make it. I don't mean to sound negative. It's just I guess it's kind of like it's obvious that it is what it is now. So it's like I don't know. It's the same thing with Kiss. It's like just go and enjoy it for what it is. Well, that's that's kind of what I wanted to fine tune this to um to to Steve be, be, because. Having three different singers in a in a band that you know, if you're a metal fan, you're you know, a lot, all my metal fan friends all love Metal Church, and I I think the stuff they did with Ronnie. Well, I look I, the first album I got was the first one when it came out, I and mean, that first record is a metal classic. Mm -hmm. um, and I also wanted to you know before we get going there. Another nice little plug for you guys. I know they're re-releasing, you know, the a trifold um, thing with the first three records on it. Um, soon. But are are you frustrated that you know when people come up because that's when you came on board with the with with Ronnie um, that do you think that stuff's underappreciated? Now this is a geeky metal church sort of question. Do you do you think those you know, few Ronnie Monroe records. Do you think they're underappreciated? Because I love them. And I was just curious because when people, you know what, you guys put the live record out. It's it, like you said, it's mostly Mike stuff and a couple David Wayne songs thrown in there. And does that, does that bug you as, because you, you guys put so much, you know, sweat equity into those records. Um, well, the one thing that I can say that it does is it makes it a little easier to fit some of the other stuff that people would be pissed off if it wasn't in our set, if we don't, you know, add the, the Ronnie Monroe era stuff. Uh, but I agree. There's some, there's some really great stuff that's on, you know, those albums. I mean, way of the world, uh, see here, this present wasteland. Uh, that was the other one. What the hell is <laughs> I guess what my point also was following up with what Mark was saying I'm going to see the Kiss show I know what it is so it's like cornering them backstage and giving them a hard time about the set list is just doesn't seem like a productive use of the time yeah. and it's like I don't understand sometimes how fans can't just be so happy that Metal Church is still touring Right or, or whoever, right. go and enjoy the experience of the show because you guys enjoy are going to get a really great rock show. Can't that be enough? Right. Well, uh, I, I think I think the biggest song that people uh, complain that we don't play is Metal Church. Metal Church. Now we used to play it. You know, back when Ronnie was in the band, we played it. Uh, but since Mike's been in the band, that's one that just hasn't 
hasn't been in the set list the whole time. And people are like, how can you not play the song that's named after the band? <laughs> that, that, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Greatest and, metal songs of all time. I, yeah. That, that everything, it's funny because I, I was talking to a, a, a good friend of mine about, you know, songs that define a genre and that's one of them i mean if if you love heavy metal music and i mean the classic stereotypical heavy metal the song metal church is and, and just how that you know um, if, if you if, put it this way if you're not familiar with that record when that song fades in with the little drum fills and in the when that massive riff comes in it just as Cheech and Chong used to say, it grabs you by the boo-boo. I mean, mm-hmm. that 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 fucking song is is metal personified. And um yep. you know, I, I last time you guys were here, I was out of town, um, because you guys played up in Flint and you guys played at the machine shop and I didn't make uh, Yeah, that was the last time through, yeah. Yeah, and um cool venue. Yeah, it is a cool place. My only problem is it's like it's like an hour and twenty minutes north of me. But uh, anyways, um, yeah, I heard you guys didn't play that, and I was like, "You got to be fucking kidding me!" That's just a just no vibe with it. Or let's face it, that's probably one of the most well known songs in the canon. I'm surprised you guys aren't playing that. Uh, well, I put my vote in that we we brought it back into the set, and uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that you know. It will or it won't happen someday. I don't know. I mean, I personally love the song. I personally think that it's the song's named after the band. We should. I mean, it's 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 almost sacrilegious not to add it to the set. But uh, you know, I'm I'm just one of the five guys in the band, so you know, everybody's got to put in their their two cents. And you know, obviously, it's going to come down on Mike's decision because Mike's the one that's got to sing it. And that one, Mike Mike's voice and David Lee, uh, David Wayne's voice were. Uh, Two different animals for sure. So uh, you know, Ronnie Props here. Um, he really handled both eras well because I saw you guys live a couple of times. Ron, Ronnie could chameleon. That was one thing. I've known Ronnie for a long time. I mean, even before Metal Church, him and I had been in bands together, and uh, that was the one thing that Ronnie could do. I mean, he used to play just like I did. You know, six, seven nights a week playing cover tunes in the clubs and everything. And you know, he'd sing everything from Simply Red to Queen's Reich and uh, you know, so he, he was able to do this uh, chameleon thing with all the different styles. And, and then when it came to Metal Church, which was one of the bands he grew up being one of uh, his favorite bands, you know, then all of a sudden he's the singer of it. Uh, it, it. It was very natural and very easy for him to sing everything up to the point where he started singing, you know, the new stuff that we were writing. Uh, both Mike Howe and David Wayne, he was a fan of the band you know, driving around in the car, singing the stuff, you know, on his, his, uh, you know, tape player or whatever. Um, and so it was, it was really easy for Ronnie. Cause you know, just like, it's easy for me to sing Elvis stuff. That's what I grew up listening to. That's how I learned to sing for Ronnie. Metal church is pretty much how he learned to sing. You know, what we, that, and uh, I think, uh, Ronnie James Dio was his, his other big, uh, you know, inspiration for being a singer. What uh, this will be my last question. Um, what, what was Ronnie and, and like Kurt like at the end there? Was there just it just didn't seem like it was going anywhere or what? Uh, why, why did why did that era break up? Uh, well, 
there's a uh, I mean there's I guess there's several reasons to it I mean you know we had been doing the same thing spinning our wheels and uh, you know, pretty much, time in the pretty much keeping the you know the, the timeline was just straight across you know there was no low parts or high parts it was just like you know we were going straight across and things weren't the, the music business in general wasn't getting any better uh, labels were not what they used to be you know going out on tour is not cheap and it's like you know God, we, you know we if we do this, you know, we're out for like four or five months a year, you know, doing tours. And it's like, you can't just like not make any money. You got to make money. We're not getting any younger. You know, we all have responsibilities. We got, you know, houses to pay for, cars to pay for, kids to take care of, you know, pets, wives, girlfriends, you know, whatever it is. I mean, we all got our own animals that we got to, you know, be a slave to. But uh, it, it was just at the point where um, things just weren't really working uh, as well as they were in you know, we, we didn't see anything really changing. Uh, and then, you know, there was there was some personal issues, you know, between, you know, Ronnie and the, and the rest of the band. Uh, I don't really want to go into them because I'm still friends with the guy. But, uh, you know, there was some personal issues that just made it uh, made it tough for us to, you know, be confined together on a tour bus for weeks at a time. And uh, then it just, uh, you know, Ronnie figured it was time for him to, to step down and go do something different. And uh that's when we brought back Mike and then, you know, bringing back Mike has been a great thing because uh, there's so many of the, the metal church fans. I mean, they, they love that guy, you know, and when they hear that he's coming back into the band, it's just like all that flat line that we've been on for the last, you know, seven, eight years. It, it went like this and it basically went 90 degrees straight up in the air and it was, it was like hanging on for dear life, just trying to, you know, keep up with all the stuff we had to do now. So. I like his uh, I, I like his lyrics too. I, I think he does. I I tell you what. I the, the black things. I wish you guys would have done a video for that. I I, look, I love the the videos off the new record. I think they're both really good. But that's just a really cool song. And and it's funny. It's one of those songs when you're listening to the lyrics, you're like boy, they could have back in the day. I'm talking old school MTV. That song lyrically could have had a really kind of creepy, cool video to it. You know. And that's just a great song too. So that's one of my favorites on. We actually play Black Things Live. Yeah, it's in the set. That's on. Yeah, I see. Steve, Steve, when it comes to the set list, because as as Tommy was getting to, you know, especially on our show, we hear it all the time from fans. You know, the Kiss set list. And you're you're a diehard. Everybody's got their opinion about the Kiss set list. Are there songs that Metal Church is playing? That as a band, you're generally like, oh, God, we just are tired of this song. But we got to do it because the fans really want to hear this one. Well, uh, I can't speak for the other guys, but for me, the one song that I go is Watch the Children Pray. I'm with, you know, I never, it's crazy. That's that was like their big hit on, on the dark. That's, that's the thing. Song it I was never really hit video wise. Yeah. I, that's I'm, I'm with you. Cause you guys redid that. Um, yep. a couple of records back. Yeah. Ronnie sang it. Yeah, correct. Um, and it, it's funny cause to me, I, you know, I remember back in the day, matter of fact, obviously it was before you were in the band. The first, uh, when I saw, um, I saw the dark, the dark tour, them opening for anthrax and for some crazy reason i want to say the record wasn't out yet or i didn't i didn't i hadn't bought it yet and i had the first record and i loved all that but just 
those songs on the dark were just so much more compact. Um, you know, ton of bricks. Just you know, I love just that song. I can't. Insane. That's another song which was in our set. Still, we used to open our show with that song. You know, I mean, it was just the epitome of heavy. You know, people like metal churches on stage. You know, just. Just that opening drum riff, you know, you're like, know. Yeah. everybody started running for the stage, you know. You know, I can get like not doing stuff like Psycho because that that's David Wayne, you know. The Psycho is coming. <laughs> this shit is just so fucking awesome. But you know, uh, like I said, you know, the song metal. Now, now you're saying you don't play um, ton of bricks anymore. Oh, it hasn't been on the set list for a long time. I want to say God. Trying to think the the last time that I could have swore you. I mean, you'd know. Um, uh, I'm trying to think the last tour you guys. He's in the band. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in my head, I mean, that's just one of the quintessential songs. You know what I mean? I think when you generally just talk to a metal church fan, that's a song that that you know you just ba- know. Ba- basically, what Mark is saying right now is, Steve, you remember that time when you were. Doing bum, 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 bum. Wasn't that so cool? <laughs> yeah. Just, right? I'm stupid. I'm so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway, if, if there was one song, it would be Watch Children Pray. That, that, that's the one I would be like. <laughs> but, you know. And, 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 and to be fair, every band and everybody in every band has that. I mean, in the Kiss world, it's somewhat known that. Gene can't stand playing "I Was Made for Loving You," but Paul, that sucks because I love that loves, song. Paul loves it. And I love that song too. Gene yeah. loves to play "I Love It Loud." Paul's not necessarily a big fan of that song, right? But you 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 kind of compromise to keep everybody happy. You can't just right. you know you can't put the set list together that only the only the drummer loves. Right. You know, it's got to be everybody in, up there on stage has to enjoy it. Right. That's that's for sure. And if you know, if one guy is not happy with what they're playing, it's it's going to show in the set. You know, whether he's back there going, fuck, you know, <laughs> or whether you know everybody's looks like they're having fun. But you could, I don't know. There's some to me. I think that it, you can tell when somebody's sincere or not, whether they're they're having a good time or whether they're sure. just going through the motions. Uh, you know, personally, you know, you you were talking about War Machine. Like for me, because uh, I've seen. Kiss concerts where Gene has done War Machine, and then most of the concerts where he does uh, God of Thunder. God of Thunder. You know, it's it's always one or the other. They never do both shows or both songs in the same show. And to me, I don't know how you cannot do God of Thunder. That's yeah, yeah. That's weird when they that that's like a signature song for Kiss. Yeah, well, especially with Gene, where he gets drug up on the thing and he goes way up to the top of the light rafters and it's like. That makes so much more sense to be the God of Thunder doing that than War Machine. It's like, you know, what, what's, what's, what's he even doing up there, you know? What does that have to do with war? Or, you know, aren't aren't war you glad that, that Paul Stanley didn't sing God of Thunder? Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a Gene song, you know, for well, sure. I'm the same way when he blows fire at the end of War Machine. I'm like, no, they, I, you know, I, let's face it, we're all old school geeky Kiss fans. I want that at the end of Firehouse. That's where it belongs. Because yep, right. if you remember in 09, they were doing it at Hotter Than Hell. They were doing the the fire at the, the end of Hotter Than Hell. Well, they yeah. said they're going to mix up the – Tommy said they're mixing up the set list for the new legs. So maybe they'll bring in Firehouse or something. 
but, but, uh, we'll, but know this, we'll know this week next time. Next time this yeah, week. Yeah, but I mean, let's let's be honest. You know, we're gonna mix it up. But I think we all know after forty plus years of being a Kiss fan, mixing it up probably means one song's getting changed. <laughs> Somebody texted me today, and that's what I yeah, wrote. Probably. I said that's gonna be one or two songs, maybe. By the way, I, I want to throw myself a lifeline. I. I love Ton of Bricks. It was Start the Fire was the song I was thinking of. I oh, yeah. Start the Fire has been in the set ever since I've been in the band. So. Mark. Mark. No, well, because I'm like, God, I know they play. And then I'm like, well, if you're a Metal Church fan, it's, those, are, those songs are like AB on, on the dark. Right, so right. that's the one I meant to say. So, so, so what, what do you do in a situation like this? And it doesn't matter. You don't have to say a particular song, but there's a certain number of ones that you guys always have to play. So when you get to those every night, because they're such fan favorites, or even the, the casual fan will know them, is that enough to make it exciting for you to play again? Oh, well, yeah, obviously. I mean, if, if we're playing a song, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, and I'm going to have as much fun as I could possibly have with it. But every single night you run out on stage, whether it's a, a club stage or a festival stage or an arena stage, when you see the energy coming from the crowd, from what you're doing, you forget practically all about what it is you're actually playing. I mean, at that point, the song doesn't even matter because you have so many people and you, you just, you just feel the energy coming up onto the stage from the audience. And uh, you know what? You're like, they're loving this. So, you know, if it may not be my favorite song in the world, but this they love crowd it. is losing their shit right now. So, you know what? I, I did. I also misspoke because I do have one more geeky, metal church question and and you weren't in the band at the time but don't fucking um uh, uh the one with god's a second chance on it uh, hanging in the balance yeah did you ever talk to kurt or someone who was around at the time going how come you didn't sue the record company because of the fucking yeah. cover the album I mean, cover yeah want to wear that shirt you know what i mean yeah that it's, is it's pretty bad it, for, for, for anybody who doesn't know that hanging in the balance that record is fucking incredible. And I'm telling you, Gods of Second Chance should have fucking been. That was everything that Soundgarden and bands like that would want to do. I mean, that that song should have been just fucking massive. But if you that that album cover, honest to God, I remember when it came out. I'm like, if this sound this goes back to what I said about Hotter Than Hell. If this sounds like this looks because it was it was like a. I can't even tell you. It was just some fat chick on a... I'm looking at it right now. It's, it's, it's a cartoon. <laughs> it's a cartoon drawing. Yeah. But my point is that that looked like somebody at the record company who was trying to do something cute for a hair metal band. I mean, that whole image did not fit. Like like I said with, with Hotter Than Hell, what I heard matched what I saw. Mm-hmm. That hanging in the balance, what you hear doesn't look anything like that so right. i was just curious that did you if you ever heard any stories about how horrified or mortified? Uh, i haven't really heard the stories of how it came to be but uh pretty much everybody in the band is absolutely still to this day horrified of the album cover so <laughs> it, it uh you know I, I can't say it obviously it wasn't a band decision yeah i wasn't there at the time when the thing came out so i i wasn't really in the mix or in the know uh, that would be a, something you'd have to ask, you know, Kurt Vanderhoof or Mike Gow. Yeah, because the, the contents of that record are, is arguably some of the best music in the in the band's catalog, and yeah, it, we still play. 
we still played God's a second chance and oh. said it's oh my god what an incredible fucking song yeah. i tell you if, if you're unfamiliar with that you know go to youtube check out god's a second chance if you're not a metal church fan now you will be once you hear that song that Mark, song you, you is, should start a metal church podcast mark I <laughs> we'll have a guy on each week and i'll interrupt them with fucking geeky questions <laughs> <laughs> hey uh, Steve, so, Steve, i got a question for you guys real quick sure okay. did, did any of you guys i mean you're all as much a kiss fans as i am were any of you guys at the show at the paris hotel casino that kiss did that they only sold 500 tickets to oh the, uh at at the um palm palm casino palm. i was yeah. there i was working for them at that time so i went to i that was show. there too that that i've told people that is probably one of the two best kiss shows i've seen the other one was when they played alaska um right after vancouver 1999 but the Palms was so incredible because it was a small stage, a small crowd, yep. minimal staging, like n no lights, no pyro, nothing. It was just kiss, some guitar amps, a drum kit, and they the energy was just exploding. Yep, I was there. Yeah, it was like it's like what I would imagine seeing Kiss back in like 1974 would have been. Like. Yeah, like like. Like the Alive album, that's the show you saw. Yep. You know? Yep. Uh, Steve, can you share with the listeners, because I'm sure there's a lot of people that are musicians that would love to get to your level of success. What's it like to play in a band and go out on stage in front of, I don't care if it's a, if it's a club or a theater or a huge festival crowd. What's the feeling like to be, in a band where people love the music so much? Uh, well, I mean, you know, I, I can speak for myself that, uh, you know, when I run out and I, and I feel the electricity in the crowd, uh, you know, sometimes I'm running around on the stage and going through my parts and everything. And I just like, you know, sometimes you're like thinking something in, in the back of your mind. You're just like, you know, how did I, how, how did I get to this point? You know, how, how did it, how am I so lucky? You know, because there's a lot of people that, that that aren't. And you know, I'm I'm just saying that from our level. I mean, there's a lot of bands that are doing way better than metal church are. I mean, Kiss being one of them. You know, they're, you know, those guys are monsters compared to where we're at. But there's a lot of bands that are struggling. They would love to be where metal church is at. And uh, you know, it's it's all perception. You know, where where are you at? You you playing in mom's garage right now? You want to get out and play some clubs? You know, then you get to the clubs and you want to get play the next things. You want to play the theaters and then theaters. You want to go to arenas, arenas. You want to go to coliseums, coliseums. You want to go to, you know, the big civic centers and, you know, outdoor, you know, stadiums and shit. Uh, but I don't really think that, you know, coming from the metal church camp, I don't think it's about where we're trying to play. I think that we're just trying to do what we do. Just, just like the, uh, the hall of fame where I met you the other night, um, you know, None of us set out to like, you know, we're going to try to get into the Hall of Fame. I mean, you just do what you do. And as long as you're having fun, you're, you're you know, you know, and you and you can keep things going long enough where you're making a living doing it and you're out and you have, you have a fan base that's big enough. Just keep doing what you do, man. And uh, if if it resonates with enough people, you know, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, I started off playing in a band. I mean, all I wanted to do is a not have to wake up in the morning to do a real job 
uh, B, I wanted to play music because I, I, you know, I had music in my blood. It was, I just, I just love music. Uh, I, so it was, uh, I want to travel the world. So I, you know, most people, they got to work a day job until they get to about 50 or 60 years old. And then, you know, they old enough where they can retire and go travel and start seeing parts of the world. But by that age, you know, you're like, man, you don't really get to see what the world is really like. You go get to see what the touristy areas are like. So I wanted to, you know, I wanted to tour the world when I'm young and I wanted to, you know, want to have conversations with people. I want it to be the guy that, you know, can interject with, oh, yeah, Thailand, that place is badass. You ever been to, you know, Phuket or, you know, just just anything like that. When you get to travel all over the world, it's it's, it's a it's not only cool on a, on a band level, but on a personal level, it's it's a huge growing experience to see the way the rest of the world actually works. Um, do you actually get time though? Like when you guys are out on tour, can you carve out like half a day every once in a while to go see some of the local things? Uh, yeah. So Mike, when we get to a place, he's like an early morning guy. He usually gets up and he's gone. Uh, you know, I, I get up and then I'll, I'll do like some local around the area stuff. Cause we usually have sound check at like, you know, four o'clock will be sound check. And then showtime is like eight o'clock. So I got, you know, from whenever I get up off the bus to, you know, four o'clock to go out and do stuff. So what we did on the last, uh, well, not the last tour, but the last like uh, arena tour that we did, it was us in uh, Megadeth and Amana Marth and Suicidal Tendencies. Uh, what we did is we went and we all stopped at like a Walmart and we bought 10 speeds and we would throw them under the bay of the bus. So whenever we would get to like a place, we'd yard out our 10 speeds and we'd just start boogieing around the town and doing whatever the heck we want to do, which was really a cool thing. So cool. the new cool. idea for the, the next time we go out on tour, uh, Stet and I, anyway, we're going to go buy them like electric scooters, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's, that's how we're going to be rolling uh, on the next tour. Steve, cool. Steve, if, if Metal Church were to play one Kiss song live in concert and may, maybe put Metal Church's spin on it, what song do you think would fit? Man, I would probably something, probably like one of the you know old Kiss songs like Deuce or She or something like that, you know, that's kind of got the, the more raw stuff. I mean, that's not my favorite kiss stuff. I mean, if, if it was my choice, I'd pick, you know, Detroit Rock City or King of the Nighttime World or something like that, you know. That, uh, or, or or I might even throw him a spin like I do with my, you know, people can't believe it. You know, that's a guy from Metal Church doing an Elvis show. What the hell? You know, so that's Metal Church playing the Kiss disco song, I Was Made for Loving You. I mean, I like doing things that, like, catches people way off guard and they're like, I can't even believe they're doing this, but fuck, it's cool. What 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 you about know? what about unholy? Yeah, yeah, that was that I, was off the Re- revenge album, right? The revenge album. Yeah. you know, it's it it would be just under the radar enough that some people might just go, oh, "That must be a metal church song," and not realize right. it was a Kiss tune. I don't, but it's I heavy don't enough that, it. that you could metal you could really metalize it. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that you probably hit the nail on the head right there. I think that a lot of people would think that that song was a metal church song. I don't think that they would even know that unless you're a Kiss fan. Right. I would say that half of the people that heard that song would not know that that's a Kiss song, you know? Yep. And then any, you told them was, any, anybody else in the band, big Kiss fans like you? No. Well, Stead is. You know, Stead, uh, he, was, he was with Wasp. Uh, he toured with Kiss, so... Uh, he's got more kiss stories than I do. So, 
But uh, yeah, he was like, yeah, uh, for Wasp when he and I actually talked to him. He was a really good guy. Mark, 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 Mark would go fanboy on Wasp just like he's yeah. doing here. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, uh, so my first tour that we went on as Metal Church uh, with me in the band was with Wasp, and so you know that's where I met all the guys. And I became friends with them, and actually we ended up uh, forming a band called Where Angels Suffer and put out an album called Purgatory. So it was W-A-S with the P cracked and hanging off. So it was uh, Randy Piper, Chris Holmes, Stett Howland, myself, and Rich Lewis from Animal. And uh, the stuff was really good. The material was killer. And we went out and we did some, uh, we went on and did some tours. We did some U.S. stuff. We did some European stuff. And, uh, you know, that was really one of my favorite bands to play in, really, because the material was so cool. You know, all the lost material and then the new stuff that we had had, had done. And uh, it, it was a good time. But that's that's uh, how I became really good friends with Stett, who, you know, now today is a drummer of Metal Church. Uh, when uh, Stett was kind of like the, the business guy in Wasp, you know, he kept the tour running and everything. And I was kind of the same guy. I took care of, like, our merchandise and I took care of the accounting and all that kind of stuff. So we would be, like, in... Uh, you know, one time comes to mind. I think we were in Mexico City. And we were in the uh, lobby of a hotel, and I'm over here on my laptop, and he's about 20 feet away, and he's on his laptop. And he looks over and he goes, "Oh, you're the poor prick, just like me, that has to do all the accounting, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Business is business. And from that day on, Stet and I just kind of like struck up a friendship. And uh, God, uh, when he, him and uh, Dave Elfson from Megadeth had a uh, had a side band called Temple of Brutality. And uh, after that Metal Church Wasp tour got over, I got this call from Stett. He's like, hey, bro, what's the chances you can cover Dave Elson's shoes for about two or three weeks on a tour that we got? And I was like, oh, yeah, I could probably do that when you need me. And he goes, yeah, well, that's the thing. I need you on a, on a plane in about two days. And I was like, dude, I, you know, I, I've never even heard the stuff you guys are playing. And he goes, yeah, it's already in your inbox. Get on it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like assuming. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I spent the next, you know, 25, 28 hours, no sleep, just going through and listening to songs. And when I did go to sleep, I had headphones on. And they were just getting ingrained in my mind because I had to learn, you know, a set's worth of material. And uh, it was, you know, I don't know if you are familiar at all with the Temporal Brutality material, but it was more brutal by a long shot than Metal Church. And it was like, it's not really the kind of thing I would listen to, but that asked me to do it and you know uh it's filling Del dave elson's shoes you know i mean that's that's yeah. kind of a cool yeah. thing you know and yeah. Uh, yeah. anyway i'm glad i did it because that oh you know every time you do something like that you oh you walk through a door it, it opens up eight more doors you know as it's every time it's not what you know it's who you know and you always meet new people anyway that's how i got into uh, playing with stet and then we got a little closer and then uh after that uh, our our old bus driver from Metal Church, I ended up buying a tour bus from him. He calls me up. And he's like, hey, dude, you know who Randy Piper is, right? And I was like, uh, yeah. He goes, how would you like to play in a band with Randy Piper? We're trying to put something together. And I was like, well, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm into that. And uh, so he's like, well, who else you want to get in the band? And I was like, well, why don't we just get the guys that were in Wasp? And he's like, like who? And I go, well, I don't know. Why don't we call Chris Holmes? Why don't, why don't we call Stead Howland? And Scott's like, you know how to get a hold of those guys? I was like, well, yeah. 
give me give me an hour. And I I called up Stet and I was like, all right, Stet, it's payback time. Remember that temper brutality thing that I did? <laughs> you, it's time for you to come do it with this band that I'm trying to put together. He goes, oh, yeah, what is it? I go, I'm going to send you the material. So I sent it to him and I called him the next day and I'm like, so what do you think, man? I go, he, I go, do you like it? He goes, no, I fucking <laughs> love it. He goes, who the fuck is this? I was like, it's your old fucking band guy. He's like, what do you mean? I go, it's Chris Holmes or Andy Piper and me and you, if you're in the band, he's like, get the fuck out of here. And so it, it just, it just turned into a band where angels suffer. I had a great time for about two or three years. If you could, if you could write a song and perform with any musician in the world, who would it be? Oh well, obviously Kiss. Are you talking about living or or doesn't matter? Living? You you choose your dream. Your dream. Your dream. It's a band, or if I could piece together guys from bands. Well, okay, piece you answer it however you want. All right. Well, let's see here. We definitely have to have. Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley involved. So I would say Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley. Let's put uh, uh, oh, what's his fuck from Motley Crue on the drums. Uh, Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee on the drums, and uh, me and Elvis front the thing. How's that sound? Beautiful. You and Elvis. <laughs> me and Elvis sing the duet. Come on, brother. Yes, he can. There you go. You that know. would be a hell of a band, <laughs> right? He might be able to meddle it up a little. Yeah, Elvis. Wasn't Elvis a Kiss fan? I mean, he had their costumes at Graceland. Yeah, and do you guys remember? I don't don't know if you do or not, but I still have the magazine. It must have been out in late 70s where it was Kiss and Elvis. Kiss or Elvis, who is the true king? Yeah. I still have that. I still have it. And I could have sworn someone was telling us a story once how they were over at Elvis's house. And they were they were playing Kiss Alive, and Elvis was like, "What is this?" And it was like Cold Gin or something like Side Four, and Elvis was actually thought it was like really good and was really interested in it and wanted to hear it a couple of times. So he was definitely aware of them at some yeah. point. Well, he you know, had, he had had to be because you got you know think about back then in the seventies, those two really were right there. Different styles of music, but they were kings of what they were doing. Yeah. yeah, you either had you had the Elvis genre, you had the Kiss that did the rock stuff, and then you had like BGs and Barry Gibb and all those Carpenters guys the, and the pop stuff. You know. Yep. Yeah, ABBA. You know, I mean, yeah, there was just different genres for sure, but uh, they were all huge in their own right. So, Steve, yeah. I got I got one final question here for you, and I think you're qualified as a Kiss fan to be able to to answer this did Vinny vincent save kiss mm, i don't think so thank you i i, I my personal feeling on Vinny vincent is i loved the Vinny vincent invasion i oh. thought this stuff was great uh but i never thought that Vinny fit kiss i thought that he was thank too you. busy he was too busy of a guitar player i mean there was <laughs> I mean, it's just like, dude, slow the fuck down and play a play something that people can, you know, this is Kiss you're playing where you have to play to the music of the band you play with. You have to. Yeah. I, I don't think that he did. Okay. I like that answer. Tommy yes. likes that answer. Mark doesn't yeah. agree. Mark, not Mark, so much. You, you a big Vinny fan, Mark? 
No, 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 not at all. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of his time in the band, though. Yeah, uh, I saw the Creatures tour. Um, I saw the Lick It Up tour. Um, I, I think, I think I have a unique perspective on fans who didn't see this because I saw them on the Dynasty tour. And I remember, and, and don't worry, I loved the Dynasty Tour. It was great. It was a lot of fun. But, you know, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier in a conversation. When I was a kid, I was into, you know, Universal, Dracula, and Godzilla. And I, I liked that sort of thing. And that was right. one of the things that I liked, you know, about Kiss. And, you know, in their heyday in 77, 78, you know, where Gene would spit blood. And he looked like a like he was evil and mean, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And I remember the Dynasty tour. You know, Gene and Mike, you even, this is before I was on the show, you did a, a even did a, a show on, you know, is, is the demon still the demon? Yeah, is, is the, did Gene lose the demon? Yeah, so anyways, I don't worry, loved the Dynasty tour, but I was right up front for the Creatures of the Night tour, and Gene looked like he wanted to eat the fucking audience. I mean, he... That whole show to this day, and I've seen literally thousands of concerts, that's still the best show I've ever seen by any band. You know, I'm very fortunate. I've seen everybody from Ozzy with Randy Rhodes on down. You know, I, I, I've, it's being, living in Detroit, you know, it was a, we got all, everybody came through here and I went to Cobo Hall and, you know, Joe Louis Arena and, you know, saw lots and lots of shows. And that one to this day with the Plasmatics opening, that was probably the most, you know, raunchy rock and roll show ever. I just remember from start to finish, and again, I was right up front. That was everything that I loved about rock and roll. I mean, you know, the plasmatics were on fire, and it was this crazy raw thing. And then my heroes came out, you know, and, you know, the first the one-two punch of, you know, Creatures of the Night in, in Detroit Rock City and Gene just looked fucking, you know, he was desperate again. And uh, it was, God, that, and, and I got to admit, you know, who who was playing drums, who was playing guitar? It wasn't Ace and Peter. And, and, if, and one of the things we talk about on the show is my vivid memory when I walked out of that show, I said to my buddy, no, 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 Peter, no Ace, no problem, meaning my band's back. Because I didn't, you know, I'm a few years older than you, and, and I I remember in 1980, because I used to record, you know, my records, and I'd bring them, you know, my jam box to the, whatever, to the schoolyard or whatever, um, you know, if we were playing baseball or football or something, just, just to have music on. And I remember 1980 specifically, I had Van Halen's Women and Children First on one side, and I had Unmasked on the other side. And my buddies and I did never listen to Unmasked. <laughs> we listened to Women and Children first all the time, and and that's the kind of thing I was talking about. You know, Kiss. With, you know, with that and the Elder. You know, when when the contemporaries. You know, Ozzy was putting out. You know, Diary of a Madman in '82. You know, '81, '82. So, all of a sudden, with Creatures, it was like my band's back. Yeah. They sound. They're playing heavy rock again. This is. This is everything I want. And I just remember, you know, at that point in, in, in 1983, being in high school and still wearing, you know, kiss bell buckles and kiss shirts, you know, I went, dangerous. To a, I went to, you know, I went to a cat, all boys Catholic school and, and there was a lot of kids that, 
you know, would give you a hard time about it. Like it's a little kid stuff. And my, my, one of my very best friends, we were in school together. We're like, fuck you guys. We're going to see kiss. <laughs> and, and, you know, I remember the next day, now we had to wear shirts with collars, but I had my creatures in the night Jersey with my flannel on, you know, over it. So I had a collared shirt on and stuff. And, and I remember, and this is funny how you remember stuff like this. Kids who would like, you know, kind of give you shit about it because you know Ario Speedwagon and Pat Benatar were, you know, the cool stuff, which, which I like too. With either one of those bands, yeah, I was just say I like them too. But they both kick ass. Yeah, but, but back but, then they were the but enemy. Back then, yeah. So, but it was funny how like some guys would come. Well, how was the show? Well, why do you want to know? You know, it's fucking awesome. I know right. why you want to know. Should have been there. <laughs> yeah, you wanted to fucking go, but you're, you know, you're whatever you thought it wasn't cool. Well, fuck you. I'll determine what's cool, not you. And to this day, you know, that was the best concert I ever went to. And, you know, just, again, you go back to, you know, people talk about, and, and, and this, this resonates to this day with, with Tommy and, and Eric. They play great. They sound great. The shows are great. And it's no different with, you know, with Ronnie James D. I saw the, the Mob Rules tour. You know, I, I, I was, you know, I was lucky. I saw all that stuff. And those weren't original bands either. You know what right. I mean? And they kicked ass and the music was great. And, and it goes back to your band. I love all three eras with all three different singers. I own all the CDs. Fucking music's great. And that's, you know, listen with this. Not, you know, right. oh, my God, you know. So, so that's it. I mean, music's such a big deal to me. And, and when I get into a band, my friend used to joke, he's like, you know, bands should like lobby for you because if you like them, you're going to buy everything. And I'm like, right. Yeah, you well, know, that, that's absolutely the, true. For I sure. The one, I, one thing, the one thing that, that, that people need to realize is that, you know, people grow and people change. And, you know, sometimes you've been in a band for eight years and all of a sudden, you know, you have an idea that's different than what it is. People die. People decide they don't like playing in the band anymore. People have personal problems with the guys that are in the band. Is it better that the band just folds and everybody goes and gets a job flipping burgers? Or is it better to replace that guy and keep going on with the, you know, the whole idea of the band? And you know, some people are like, oh, Metal Church has no Metal Church without David Wayne. And it's like, okay, but David Wayne passed away, unfortunately. And, you know, I respect your opinion for that. But, I mean, should the rest of us just quit doing what we do because the singer died. I mean, do we all have to break up and form a different band and come up with a different name or can we continue on doing what we love to do? Well, well if the music Mike, still Mike Howe had to put up with that. Mike Howe had to put up with that, you know, uh, right after the dark, which, you know, right. Yeah. That was a, those were tough shoes to, to jump into at the time, you know, not, yeah. not unlike something that, uh, you know, um, uh, that uh, you know, Jason Newsend Newsend came in with 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 Metallica. You know, and you you can't fill Cliff's shoes. You have to make your own shoes. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's what Mike did because it, it, Blessing in Disguise did very well. And you know, Badlands and those songs are just fucking awesome. You know, so he, you know, he kind of changed the feel of the band. And yeah, it's you know, it's, it's day. Definitely the hardest thing to change the singer of a band, but it's For it's sure. not easy to change any member of a band. I mean. It it took me, you know, the first two albums before the Metal Church, uh, you know, congregation kind of accepted that I was a bass player because, I mean, everybody was like, where's Duke? You know, yeah. Metal Church ain't Metal Church without Duke, you know? And it's like, well, Duke's not in the band anymore. 
love the guy. We're friends. Anytime, anytime he comes out to a show, we pull him up on stage, and I'm more than happy to hand him my bass, and he plays a couple of songs, you know? And, you know, the audience gets a big rise out of it, but he's, like I was saying earlier, you know, his mind and his his, his life story went in another direction. And, uh, you know. Well, and the ridiculous, thing, the ridiculous thing to me about all of that is, is it's very possible had you been the original bass player and you were still with him now, they would love you just as much as the ones who only thought that he should be the bass player. As long as the music is still good, that's what should matter. Yeah. Just, so I think people just get hung up on really weird shit sometimes. Yo, they, get hung, they get hung up I, on I living in the past is what it comes down to. They, you know, yeah. like it's the Kiss fans who go, uh, as soon as Ace and Peter left, Kiss doesn't exist anymore. As soon as the makeup came off, Kiss doesn't exist anymore. It's like... Yeah, if well, that's, that's, what you, that's, just, that's what you love. Great, you go back and live in that. But why should what you want change what all these other people are actually enjoying? Yeah, and right. and, and and explain how they keep selling out arenas if yeah. they died when <laughs> you know Peter and Ace left. Uh, uh, but I, I got a question for you guys again on Kiss. Uh, speaking of changing members, how do you, what's your guys' takes on uh, these? stories and interviews that Paul and Gene have done that they think that they can replace themselves and kids could go on. I'll, I'll start. I mean, I believe that will happen. I believe kiss is the sort of the first band to ever be put in a position to be able to do that because of the makeup, because of the characters that lives on forever will will the band that that is of four completely non-original guys be as big as kiss today no i don't think so i think it'll be a much smaller band in terms of drawing power and stuff like that but i think they will do it and i think they can do it and and more importantly i'm going to reserve my judgment on if it's good or bad until i see it and hear it Right. My, my personal opinion. What's that? It might be a Las Vegas thing. Yeah, but there's there's already, you know, there's already a bunch of KISS tribute acts that uh, some of them are really good and some of them are really bad. But, you know, they, 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 could legally sh they could legally stop all of the tribute bands and go, okay, no more tribute bands. We've got five official KISS tribute bands that are, are residencied around the world at major cities. Yeah, could could happen. I, I I don't know what it's like in your cities. I'm just gonna assume that it is happening. But um, I get kisses. I think the kiss one, like Michael said, and we're actually just gonna ape what Tommy and, and Michael just said. I I think a yes, it can happen. B, it'll be a Vegas thing. But I gotta admit, just as a as a music fan. This whole tribute thing is really, really bugging me. You know, um, here locally, here in Detroit, we used to have just incredible clubs to play at. And now every single one of them, or at least the bigger ones, the one, put it this way, when I say bigger ones, there's only one or two left. But, you know, uh, I have friends that play in Sabbath tribute bands, Maiden tribute bands. And, and I'm like, man, you know, you spent your whole life 
being a musician, don't don't you want to play your own stuff? Or my my point is, it's just tougher to do that. It's um, the, the whole tribute thing. I just think is getting way out of hand, and I, I don't know what to make of. It. I, I I personally don't like it, but I, I think I'm in the minority. I think most people do. If you're going to yeah. go to a club, to, it, but it. But where are you going to get that next great record, though? Where, where's you know where's that going to come from? So, I don't know. I'll tell you, I'll tell you where it's going to come from. It's going to come from a band called Sin Circus. Is that your son's band? Yeah, yeah. it is. There you go. So, yeah. so, so, Steve, Steve, we we do have to to wrap up. Oh, so, before t- you, last one, last, last, I swear to God, last one. The the Nazareth cover on this. Whose idea was it? Because it's fucking incredible. Uh, that was Mike. Mike wants to do that one. That song, if you guys have ever heard Please Don't Judas Me off the Hair of the Dog record um, by Nazareth, and these guys, Metallica also covered that song. That's not a song you'd think that someone would cover. And I just wanted, uh, just the tones on that thing, you really nailed, you know, that. Were you happy with the way that came out? I was happy with the way it came out. I wasn't happy that they wanted to do that song. (laughs) I was like, why are we doing this song? But, uh, a lot of people love it, so I'm yeah. one of them. I, again, yeah. it's not well, a song you think that, but again, you know, I'm a few years older than you. That was a big record that I grew up with, and yeah. it, just so you guys know, that's the same Nazareth album that had "Hair of the Dog" and "Love Hurts" on it. Yeah. So, so please don't Judas me was like the last song on side two, and it's a real moody, long drone almost if you mm-hmm. but i mean that in a complimentary way that that is a, just a very emotive song and and mike really nailed that vocal that hits you right here i mean that that's that's a very emotional sort of song and i just thought uh, i i was just so surprised when you guys did that and I, it was one of those things because i'm always looking through the metal charts and you're looking for bands that i i i, I like and i'm like holy shit there's a Metal Church does fucking please don't Judas. I'm like holy shit, and I found it online. I couldn't, I couldn't wait to get so, it. So let me, and, let me, let me recap this, Steve. Steve, do you remember when you covered Nazareth? Wasn't that so cool? That was so cool. That's exactly it. Well, oh, we, 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 like we, we, we love Mark. This is great because I mean, it's passion that's coming from him on stuff like this. It's pure passion, which. Which, you know, music has to be about passion. From the musician who's got to record and perform it to the fans who listen to it and makes them move, does something for them. It's, you know, it's passion. Like I always joke, I don't, I've I've always used my whole ass. I've never done anything (laughs) half-ass. When when I jump into something, man, I'm using my whole ass. So, Um, Steve, I just want to say something so bad right now. (laughs) Behave yourself, Tommy. Steve, tell us where we can find more information on Metal Church, your son's band, your Elvis band. Let's let's plug yeah. away. Put the Gene Simmons cap on and sell the shit out of yourself here. All right. Well, uh, you know, social media is really the big platform for anybody to find anything out. So if you just go to, you know, my Facebook page, Steve Unger, 
you can basically find out anything that I'm doing or Sin Circus is doing, or, you know, whether it's, whether I'm doing Jumbo the Metal Church or Last Temptation or my Elvis Live 85 show or my son's band, Sin Circus. Uh, I, I post everything and I promote everything on my Steve Unger Facebook page. Awesome. 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 That's, that's where you can find everything out. And real quick to recap, you were talking about belt buckles, right? Wearing the Kiss belt buckles. Well, I got all the Kiss belt buckles, but this happens to be the one I'm wearing today. Oh, <laughs> so cool. <laughs> yeah, so I, I still sport all the belt buckles. I got uh, Kingdom Come, a uh, bunch of Kiss ones, of course, Elvis. So. Yeah, I've got like three Kiss belt buckles. I've got an old Sticks belt buckle from Pacifica nice. back in the day. Yeah. You had to have I that stuff. I went to a box and found my old Pacifica. No, I mean, all my Kiss ones are in my display case. But yeah, I have like an Aerosmith one, a Ted Nugent one, a Black Sabbath one. You know, those Pacifica ones are really, really cool. Yep. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yep. I got uh, all the Kiss ones. I got, well, I got the one that just says Kiss, and I got the Love Gun. I got the four solo album faces. Of, I mean, I got them all. And I got the one that's kind of got the it, it, Kiss is written in groovy like like cursive almost not like the kiss logo but yeah there you was, go this is this is my favorite one nice that was my favorite <laughs> the boot the jean boot yeah because it was just so different it was like a small logo and it was a boot and you had to be a kiss fan to understand what that boot was from yes and no because i think a lot of people recognize that and go oh that's got to be kiss right you would, some would, but you know, it wasn't like you know. I've got the other one where it's just the huge Kiss logo, so there it's just no mistaking that it's Kiss. Right. I like the one too with the bat. There's a bat wings exposed on the uh, on the end of the on the end of the Kiss logo. If you're familiar with that one too, another Pacifica. Didn't they make the one of their leather jackets? Was that wasn't it with the big bat logo on the back? I think mm. I think so. That. Kiss bomber jacket that they had with a bat. A bat. I think so. I don't remember. I don't recall that. The, the the leather jacket I remember had either the giving you the finger or the, finger, or the yeah. fist. Those are from '95. Yeah, those were from the reunion. Mm -hmm. Did those those leather jackets? Steve, this was fascinating. It's just it's so cool to hang out with somebody who's as big a kiss geek as we are <laughs> and makes Mark go completely fanboy at the same time. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I tell you what, thanks for putting up with my, uh, uh, with my, uh, my craziness. It's just, you know what, I, like you guys said earlier, and it's true. I, it honestly isn't. I'm just very passionate about just music in general. And I, I love the fact that, doing a show like this with these two idiots you know um it's just fun because you can sit and geek out about something that that you dig you know and um you should you know this show is nothing more than sharing memories and sharing stories whether it's stories from 40 years ago or four years ago i mean right? it, that story it, about with your kid that is just so fucking cool yeah you know? yeah Isn't it, though? yeah that was a, that was a life changer for me, man. Definitely, Steve. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, right on, man. We we appreciate it so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you for having I'm me, man. Time. Hey, fanboy. Did it live <laughs> yeah, it up to your fun. expectations? Oh, it was, it was everything. You know, it's one of those things. Uh, you know, you're just happy that you know a band that you're 
weigh into, you know, seems to care about the music as much as you do listening to it. And I, I love the fact that, you know, the Elvis thing with this kid playing in a band, you know, mu- it's music, music, music. And, and that's really, you know, I, I look, somebody like that, I, I admire because he's able to do it for a living. I mean, I, you know, my passion is music, but you know, I have to feed my family and myself. So I, I, I do that. But as, as you know, anybody who knows me well, I, you know, um, most of my, when I'm not working, you know, a lot of it's directed towards music, playing in a band and collecting records and going to gigs. And it just means a lot to me. And I, I love the fact that he was able to achieve his dream to feed yeah. his family playing music. Yeah. I mean, that's boy, oh boy. I, I know, I know given the chance going and doing cement and <laughs> and going to play drums, hmm, what would I rather do? So, you know, um, no, it's great. He, he was a super nice guy, really cool, real down to earth. Um, put up with my geeky stuff, and 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 guys, that that's none of that's showboating shit. I mean, I I, I wanted to actually get a little deeper talking about <laughs> Tommy. That. Tommy, he had the entire metal church catalog ready to pull out. Well, no, I wanted to talk be, because, like, I I did bring up he, he when he joined the band would be like the era of like Vinnie Vincent. You know, he just he was he joined the band right when there was major changes. So that's something that he would have an opinion about. And I did, we did talk briefly about that, but it, it again, much like I, I, I said on the show, you know, in, in the metal church camp, you had people that like the first singer and, you know, and then the singer, Mike Howe, but he joined right when Ronnie Monroe was, Matter of fact, he joined on Ronnie's first album. And a lot of Metal Church fans, unfortunately, and that's what he was talking about this. You remember this part of the conversation when he said yep. they, they weren't peaking or anything? That's what happened, I think. You know, and he kind of confirmed that. they, You know, the music industry, that's another thing. They, they make these records, and they're not. there's no place to buy them unless you go to the show, you know, or you mail order them or whatever that... Let's face it, the music music industry is a fucking mess, at least compared to the way it was done in the past. Uh, so it's no, tough. I, What's that? I was just say, I, I love your passion. Just love it. I, the best part was like, just one more question. Just one. That, no, no, no. It was, this is the last question. This is the last question. <laughs> oh, just one more question now. One more. Just one more. <laughs> that was Let awesome. Let me just tell you, it, it would have been way worse had I not, you know, decorum prevented it because look, <laughs> mark mark, mark ser- seriously who do we have to get on that you will not prevent yourself from a- actually going completely crazy because we yeah. want to get that person on <laughs> who's it going to take richie blackmore oh he he he'd walk off in two seconds because i i couldn't stop rapid firing enough fucking um questions oh. matter of fact i had a i had a i had a i was at I was backstage at a Deep Purple show, and I was just fucking firing questions at, at Roger Glover until he was kind of getting, and he said it nice. He wasn't a dick about it. He's like, I get that you want to, you know, 
he's like, I appreciate, but he goes, I, I really don't want to talk about, you know, that stuff. Cause I was talking about when Graham Bonnet left and, and, uh, and Joel and Turner joined, you know, um, cause I heard that they, they, that Graham Bonnet did sing on the difficult to cure record and they knocked his vocals off. And, and, and I ended up, I was right. They did. But I just wanted confirmation from Roger. Tom, Tommy, just, that, that look on your face is what Roger was looking like as Mark was talking to him about this. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? So, but but to answer your original question, though, Michael, who do we need to get on, Mark? Because that's something I want to see. What's, what, what, what do you want me to do? I, look, if this show, as you said, you sort of restrained yourself. Who, what, yeah. who, who will you not restrain yourself for? If we said so-and-so's coming on next week, it'll, it would so blow your mind that you would just be like. Oh, there's a million people like that. I mean, Tommy Aldridge, you know, the drummer from, you know, Ozzy's band, Black Oak, Arkansas. And he played in White Snake. If you guys saw the Still of the Night video, that's Tommy yeah. Aldridge playing there. I People like, but although I've met Tommy, I, I actually went to a drum clinic of his. So. Would you ask him for your money back for the one inch by one inch piece of land that you own? <laughs> what? The Black Oak, Arkansas. It came with that. Oh yeah 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 yeah, 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 So, um, look, it was nice having somebody like Steve on, who is a kiss. He's just like us, except yeah. he yeah. plays music you know and yeah. let's face it you know I, I love knowing about the music and the bands that i love it's just something that i've always been into kisses that's the great thing about being a kiss fan there's so much to learn still to this day there's Steve, so much what's that seeing roth is going to be great next week who's that seeing roth is going to be great next week. oh yeah i mean you know next week at this time tommy and i are going to be like little schoolgirls. i'm guessing right oh, now we'll probably no, it'll be the following day because this is tuesday no i'm just saying next week at this time though you and i will probably i'm guessing just finished having a, an incredible dinner because i know where we're going because my friend oh. okay. <laughs> yes. so um you know what i mean and and we're just gonna have a great time and then, uh, you know, a week from tomorrow, um, we're going to see Kiss and, and David Lee Roth. And I will tell you, you know, you, you joke about, and rightfully so, you know, um, all this. But, you know, it's cool talking music to people who, who've who been there. You know what I mean? That's To me, that's yep. exciting. You know? Yep. Again, that's another reason why, um, you, know, you know, somebody I'd actually like to have on the show... I haven't tried or even looked into it because all right, somebody like to, there, there's there's a, a guy who just I just finished his book has zero kiss connection, but talking about joining an established artist and playing with an established artist and touring and the rigors of it, you know, all you have to do is insert you know band here. It's in, instead of it being. You know, uh, uh, the reason I bring that up is this. Sorry, I'm talking so abstract. But if you remember, you know, they cut Eric Carr and they cut Vinnie Vincent's pay, you know, midway through the tour. And, you know, when things weren't weren't going as they'd hoped. I mean, that's that's a reality of this business. Um, you know, I I just finished Mark Bell's book, 
um, Machiavelli, I should say, he sang with the Joe Perry Project. And, you know, Joe Perry, you know, this guy, radio staple, meaning his playing with Aerosmith. And, you know, that era when he was playing, you know, opening him for uh, opening up for Alice Cooper and and doing his uh, his, uh, you know, his own solo shows doing, you know, you want to play Joe Perry stuff. But what do the fans want to hear? They want to hear the Aerosmith stuff. You know what I mean? There was so much, when I was reading his book and it was so well written because it was it was off of his journals. The whole time I was reading it, I'm going, I think our, I think the fans of our show would really dig this because it really rips that roof you know open and you can look right in to the rawness of what it's like to tour the United States, especially back you know this was in the early '80s. How things are different. I mean. Just fascinating stuff, you know. I, I I really enjoyed that book. So, anyways, homework. Just, let's 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 wrap this ho- thing up. Ho- homework. So, I think first obvious homework question is: uh, Are you a metal church fan? What's your favorite metal church album? What's your favorite metal church era? <clears throat> Have you seen metal church? Did Mark embarrass you as a fan of metal church? <laughs> Hey, look at the time. <laughs> that is funny. Um, any other? It's like a, a internet revolt. Yeah. <laughs> the Did you the, see the that fat guy on that Kiss podcast. That me, the Mark Metal Band. Church Army comes after Mark Chikini. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Actually, well, it'll be it'll be uh, Mark Chikini tries to convince um, Steve to bring "I Was Made for Loving You" to the van to play live. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I hate you guys. I, I I think that I think the, I think those are some fun some fun um, homework questions. Have fun with this, you know. Yeah. You know, talk, talk about a story Steve told. Um, talk about Metal Church. Talk about Mark. Did did he live up to fanboy expectations? How does this How does this rank in comparison to the Anthrax episode? The accept episode wasn't there another one we had pretty good fanboy on Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy hasn't been on. <laughs> good look at his face. Although I could probably make that happen. He's got a kiss connection. He does. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, so you know where to go to leave your homework. Facebook.com slash three sides of the coin. Website, YouTube, Spreaker. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you are, we're there. If you're watching this on video, hit that little red subscribe button in the corner um, and head over to iTunes and leave a review and a rating. It means a lot to us. And that's it. We'll see you next week. You won't see Tommy and I. Oh, I've got some surprises. Oh, yeah, he's got surprises. All right, guys, that's it. See you next week. So you love the show. 
go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks. Download your free free copy of the KISS School of Marketing. 11 Lessons I Learned Working with KISS. The number one downloaded business book on Noise Trade. Go to books.noisetrade.com slash Michael Brandvold. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. So you love the show. Go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks.